On a Sunday morning, sat a maid forlorn with her sweetheart by her side. Through the window pane, she looked at the rain. We must stay home, Joe, she cried. There's a picnic too at the old point view. It's a shame it rains today. When the boy drew near, kissed away tears, and she heard him softly say, Wait till the sun shines, Nelly, when the clouds go drifting by. My name is Bill Wilkins. And I'm 72 years old. I come from the grave. Welcome back, friends, to the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies, not horror films. And this is the first episode of our Summer of the Conjuring. Same format as last year's Summer of the Dead. We're going to have special guests coming at you. And this year, this was chosen, the franchise was chosen by yours truly, Mr. Hogzilla, the Raging Cajun and Herbal Enchanter himself mr tibu what's up buddy laissez les bon to relay hash la de patate son don't drop the potato we're not gonna do that this time all right this is all gonna come out in the summer every episode is gonna be a summer release this year we're not gonna have this fall of the conjuring winter of the conjuring christmas of the conjuring bullshit all right this year, on. we're rolling them we're rolling them out one at one after the other in order <laughs> <laughs> Why did you why don't you share why did you choose this franchise? 
I well to 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 not get into it like fully cuz cuz uh we do have uh some special guests here but uh to, to make it for brevity's sake I I chose this because to me the conjuring at least the first one for sure is like a a rekindling of sorts not in the horror community as a whole but in the early 2010s this was like the cap off of what had been building up specifically in haunted house films you had mainstream you had insidious and sinister which were two really good haunted house movies and i'm i'm haunted house movies 9 times out of 10 they're kind of shit uh you get, or at least you get more shit than you you get like gems the conjuring is one of those mainstream big budget for a horror film a bigger budget directed by a very competent uh director james wan that i you know i mean it fucking blew open people's love of horror again at least at least for a wide audience and i feel like i feel like there was just i feel like the conjuring was the start of something and after that ever since that era the 2010s just started rolling man with with great horror movies indie and and some that were big budget like like this movie so i just i picked the conjuring this year because uh again brevity and um also quality i think there's some quality films here in these these three movies nice Without further ado, let's introduce the special guests we have. One of my favorite parts about doing these franchise reviews is we not only get to meet new friends, but we get to hang out and chat with with old friends as well, too. Let me paint the picture here for you all. We're in the garage. It's still not done. There's still open rafters. There's still no insulation. But we're all here. Tibu and Boss Tuna chatting it up in the corner it's hard to see because all you see is just a big puff of smoke in that corner over there but you have <laughs> someone sitting in that corner you can barely see the outline of them so let me paint this picture here for you this gentleman here when he is not picking shitty horror movies for his future his, his co-hosts and his shows he is guesting on the joe blow horror show so without further ado let's uh let's introduce mr mike merriman what's up buddy uh the rumors of me picking shitty horror movies must have come from venom and uh he's 100 percent wrong on that um <laughs> I, he he's he just redefining what a shitty horror movie is so uh, i'm gonna correct him on that today hopefully but uh thanks for having me i'm, I'm glad to be here and uh let's talk some more yeah, and obviously that leaves the fourth amigo tonight, and that is Jerry Cortez, a.k.a. Mr. Venom, making his return. This guy is out there doing 47 podcasts a week. I mean, playing poker, just, just out there collecting checks and snapping necks at the poker tables. Mr. Venom, thank you again for joining uh, us here at the Joe Blow Horror Show. Thank you again for popping on and, and giving us Giving, giving us some good reviews of uh, what is to be the first episode of the Summer of the Conjuring. Greetings and salutations, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back. It's been way too long. I had an absolute blast talking about Day of the Dead last year. Looking forward to talking about another favorite of mine. So, yeah, exciting. All right. Well, the, the cat's out of the bag here. That's it's He, he, he kind of likes this one a little bit here. So... <laughs> We're going to we're going to get right into this, but 
I don't know about you guys, before we really get in and start breaking this movie down and giving our listeners, at least from you three, some great A podcasting, um, I'm just going to be <laughs> on the road just shoveling carcasses off in the background. But speaking of the road, we are going to take a little trip into the Titty Twister. I mean, the RV, we loaded into the RV, and I see the lights in the distance, and it's it's time. Let's hop into the Titty Twister for uh, a couple drinks, eh? On me. Hey, bud. On me. Oh, fuck yeah. I love it when you pay yeah. for it. Thank you, Daddy. All right, so TB, why don't you go first? I know this is uh, Mr. Merriman's first trip into the Titty Twister here. I'm not sure if he knows this or not, but it gets a little squirrely after dark, so our time's kind of limited here. We don't want to stick around. Um, yeah, bad things happen, so what do you got, bud? All right, uh, tonight I've got a juicy, hazy departure from hops as you know them. This is a Flying Tiger Brewery brew, and this is crafted, canned, and kegged right here in Monroe, Louisiana. Well, I'm not in Monroe. That's North Louisiana. They're not They're not actually Cajuns, but they, they might make a tasty brew. I've never had this before. It's called Final Resting Place. It's a double IPA, so this has got some, uh, you know, some hoppy fucking shit going on. This is some strong shit, 8% by volumes. Crack that can and give it a swill. Uh, you and the doubles. I'm excited. Bro, this is insanely smooth for an, a double IPA. What's wow. the ABV again? 8%. All right. I, I don't even like there's there's no there's no bite at all. That's kind of it's it's not dis- disappointing would be the wrong word, but it's it's um unexpected and also I have a few shots left of um, a cheap ass whiskey called Canadian Hunter. Don't really know. This doesn't tie into the movie at all. Final resting place. I, I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds like something pretty cool for the Conjuring series and people dying in haunted houses and shit like that. But this uh, this whiskey is pretty cheap, pretty shitty. It does have a cool logo though. If you can make it out, it's got this guy on on the cover, and he's like. You know, with some wolves, and he's got a gun and shit. So Canadian that hunter been, that would have been perfect for uh, our last episode. Yeah, hold the dark. But huh? fuck, fuck it, man. It's happening tonight. Fuck so it. I'm gonna get turned. I'm gonna get turned as fuck. What you drinking? So I have a little. It's we're getting cold. Pre-show, we were talking with um, uh, Jerry and Mike here about the weather. It's finally cooling off a little bit. It's not 95 degrees out here. Falls around the corner, and a little little side tangent i actually went and bought my first halloween decoration of the year i had to go to a um, home depot to get some materials for a job and i'm walking by and i'm like jesus christ it's mid-august dating ourselves here mid-august and they have all the halloween decorations up so i got this kick-ass little it's it's freddy krueger with his all charred face and everything in his hat and his claw hands holding a candy bowl so I've, I was like, yep, like 1999, sign me up. So throw, throw a picture in the Discord and everyone out there listening, go join the Joe Blow Horror Show Discord. It's a hell of a lot of fucking fun. Throw that yeah. picture in there. Yeah, no, I will. Yeah, come check it out. So but anyways, 
with the fall weather, we're going to start seeing a lot more porters. So I have a front street vanilla porter. So I'm like, you know what? I've had a ton of the IPAs. It's time to change it up a little bit here. This one's a 6.4%. Front Street, I believe it's a local. Yeah, it's Iowa. It's a local brewery. I don't think I've ever had anything from them, but let's take a little swilly swill swill of this here and see what's up. Swilling it, killing it. Yep. It's it's excellent. Maybe it's because it's the first dark beer I've had in a while, but um, follow us on Untapped as well, too. Boss Tuna Brewing. I'm going to give this one a 3.25 out of 5. So, huh. Mr. Uh, Mr. Venom, are you uh, imbibing tonight? Absolutely. Um, same oh, nice. same with you, Cole. Um, I kind of went with something that kind of reminds me of fall as our Conjuring film kind of reminds us of the fall and the change of seasons. Um, this one actually comes from the East Coast. This is a this is a beer that's fairly easy to get on the East Coast, but out here on the West Coast, it's it's damn near impossible. But I got lucky and I found some. This comes to us from Brooklyn Brewing, uh, the Brooklyn Brewery Company out in Brooklyn, New York. And this is the Brooklyn Brown Ale. This nice. comes in at about a 5.6%. Uh, and <clears throat> it's basically a clear dark brown amber, but it has a it almost has a coffee aftertaste to it. Um, when, when you first kind of take a take a sniff of it, you get like a roasted almond flavor with um, kind of like a chocolate roasted malts uh, overtone to it. And then when you and when you drink it, it's just so incredibly smooth, no bite to it whatsoever. It's just literally one of my favorite beers from the East Coast. For those who don't know, I actually am from the East Coast, born and raised in Connecticut. So this was a beer that I used to get a lot. But like I said, it's it's really difficult to get on the West Coast. But I got lucky this week. So yeah, Brooklyn Brown Ale. Nice. When it comes, I've never heard of him. Yeah, when it comes to uh, those types of beers, the porters and the stouts, when they have those coffee notes and those chocolatey notes, mm-hmm. those are those are my favorite kinds of beers. I would say second uh, is the IPAs, but that yeah, that's when and Boss Tuna's got that vanilla porter, so I am jealous. But down here, I cannot drink those thick beers when it's this hot. I just can't do it. So, but once it once it does cool off, that's where I'm at, man. I I like getting next to a fire and just cracking those boys open. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you got one tonight, both of you guys. Fuck yeah. yeah, I'm I'm an imperial guy. I'm I'm not in college. I think I ruined myself in college by drinking like a keg of beer per week. So you give me a couple imperials and you know I'm doing the dad like nodding off at eight thirty at night <laughs> on the couch kind of thing. So imperial stouts. I will. Oh yeah. Y- y- yep. Yeah. Yep. Old Rasputin. IPAs too. Yeah, dude. Old Rasputin. That's that's for like being a mainstream one. That's pretty legit. Actually, yeah. actually, that's I'm gonna make a good uh, analogy. Old Rasputin and the Conjuring. Just you wait. <laughs> nice. I also want to say the Joe Blow Horror Show uh, cherry cherry uh, chocolate cherry stout. Yeah, that 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 that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't I've know. had it. I gotta send. God, I never sent you anything, did I, Venom? No, sir. No biggie. God. Brew a few extra guess, this year, Cole. I will. I will. The Joe Blow Horror Show also is a brewery, and we're actually on Untapped, so it's like the IMDb of beers. Very cool. So, yeah, I used well, to brew too. A little bit of home. I dabbled oh, nice. when I lived in Pittsburgh. I think the best thing I made was a double chocolate stout that I actually made with uh, chocolate roasted um, malt, and then I actually used cocoa powder, uh, the actual oh, like nice. Hershey's confection powder. Oh my god! Yep. It was literally like drinking a candy bar. I it absolutely it came out at about 
I, I want to say it came out at about 5.8. Oh, nice. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that was probably the best thing. But I, I mean, I've made meads. I've made like, um, you know, cervezas, oh, you know, rice, rice beers, things like that. So. Pressure's on now. <laughs> I've, I've, it's I've been so my, long, though. I'm I've so got rusty. my pumpkin stout dialed in. But yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I'm I mean, sorry. I want to I want to blow it for like two seconds. That is the I've, I've had a lot of different pumpkin beers over the years. I'm not saying it because it's my buddy's beer. I'm being very fucking real. The second year he sent me the pumpkin pumpkin stout and I sip that shit. I'm like, hands down. This is the best pumpkin stout I've ever had. Like, nice. like for real. He he nailed it with this recipe, this go around. So yeah, man, I can't wait yeah, to, to I'll, try I'll, some. I'll send you some. I it's pumpkins out of my own garden and and everything. Oh, so. very cool. But yeah, no, we're 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 leaving uh, Mike up at the bar by himself and and some <laughs> some dudes on the stage playing a fucking leg guitar. So <laughs> we'd better we'd better let him tell us what he's drinking first. Hey, hey, on Front Street here, uh, pun intended, Front Street with my beer. Uh, I do know what he's drinking, and I will say your guys' stuff sounds delicious, but god damn, I'm jealous what he's got. What do you got, buddy? All right, so uh, I don't mind going last because this one's definitely a sipper. Um, I got, uh, you know, we're talking about how summer's kind of transitioning into fall. The weather out here wouldn't dictate that, but calendar-wise, we're getting there, and uh, because pumpkin beer's uh, they're becoming so popular now that even in the middle of August, sometimes even in the, in the beginning of August, you start seeing them show up on shelves or the, you know, breweries. And uh, I'm not sure if anyone here has heard of track seven brewery out of Northern California, where I am. I live, I live about a mile from their main tap room. So I'm always grabbing stuff in and out of there when uh, they release. And this one I'm holding right now is called waiting for October and it's the apocalypse edition. Uh, I don't think there is a regular edition. So they just probably threw that in there to make it sound even cooler. <laughs> and it's an Imperial stout with coffee, pumpkin, vanilla, a little lactose powder, I'm guessing and pumpkin spice. And uh, yeah, this one's clocking in at a uh, 11.2%. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. Mike's yeah, flying is, good. That's what this, I'm talking about. A, it's a big boy drink. Yeah. yeah. Give me a couple of those and it's, it's, yes, it's a good night. Yeah. Uh, I sent a picture to Cole. So if he wants to share that around, uh, it, cause the uh, art on the can is actually uh, Jason Voorhees mask. Yeah. So. That, that art throw, is throw that in the discord cool. too, motherfucker. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to save it. I'm so technologically behind. I, I got to figure out how to do that. And <laughs> I kind of botched your intro. Like I was, I had it written down and then I forgot half the stuff and I was going to uh, pimp your wares as a new, I mean, you'll do that at the end, but no more room in hell. Uh, Mike Merriman, no more room in hell. So sorry about that. I'm, we're, we're an amateur here. So, you know, <laughs> it is. What it's it all is. right. I, I'm so accustomed because most of the stuff I do venoms on the show as my co-host. So I'm so used to him pimping out everything that He's I, your I, some of I even because he's hmm, what he, would you he say is, venom he, i mean he tells me that you're the little spoon no no to be 100 percent honest it's it's definitely more mike's baby it was his idea you know he brought me on or you know right at the start uh, you know because we had worked on a couple of other shows together one non-horror show that we worked on together and he of course was on evil episodes before that and evil episodes kind of as evil episodes went away no more room in hell kind of became the new venture and yeah me and uh you know, Mike had had me jump on that. We had another host early on, but then Derek joined us 
um, a couple episodes in. So yeah, we, we've got our happy little trio now. See that Venom's not only my co-host, he's my uh, biographer and hype man as well. So uh, I, I'm, I'm all set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's killing it in that pink suit tonight or that purple suit tonight. Hey, Whenever, it's violet. It's violet. Violet. Whenever, <laughs> Whenever you introduce him, you should have had Venom in the background being like, Merry man, you. <laughs> you. All right. Well, we got to get out of here because I don't know what's going on, but it, so, let's just Selma Hayek, the RV. Selma yeah. Hayek starting to pour tequila down her fucking leg and Quentin Tarantino sucking her toes. We got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's getting, yeah, it's getting weird. We are oh, another, I, another Tarantino foot movie. Let's get out of here. I, I like it, but, but yeah, let's fucking roll out. Cause right, it's nine 18. We're headed down into the cellar where the doors just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Probably we never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. All right, The Conjuring 2013, rated R. One little game we like to play on here. If you haven't looked it up, let's guess the IMD rating, IMDb rating. What do we, uh, Mike, if you haven't looked it up, what's your guess? Oh, you're lucky because I have it up, but I have the Zoom window over it. <laughs> um, hmm, don't, don't, yeah, don't tell us. Don't tell us. Just guess it. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I won't tell you what it actually is. Just, uh, do you want me to tell you my guess for the rating? Yep. Yeah. You're, yep. We always go. Around. I know what it is. I always like to have you guys guess what your ratings are if you haven't looked. Yeah, I, I, I purposefully s- don't look it up just to play this little game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quit playing uh, games with my heart. 
<laughs> we're, talking, <laughs> we're talking the first one. I'm going to say 6.2. Okay. Uh, Venom, I'm guessing you looked it up. Uh, no, no. Not oh, the did? Oh, I was going to say, you did last time, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was probably a lot more prepared last time. <laughs> um, I would guess uh, I'm I'm gonna say somewhere in the neighborhood of like seven five, seven six, seven seven. I can't I can't imagine it's as high as seven point eight. I'm gonna okay. say somewhere between seven point five and seven point seven. Okay. I'm gonna go seven point eight. One. I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, fuck him. I'm going seven point eight because he said it. It's impossible. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you have, Venom? So you got to give me a straight number where this is like price is right. Oh, um, oh shit. Do I trust the horror community? Um, I'm going to go on the low end. I'm going to say 7.5. He hit it nuts to butts. 7.5. Wow. Oh, you guys were all pretty close. All right. Let's do the critic rating on Apple. Apple. Good God. Rotten, <laughs> Rotten apples. Rotten apples. <laughs> Rotten tomatoes. Critic score. What do we got? Uh, I mean, considering what this movie is, I'm going to say 83% is where I'm going to guess it lands. Okay. Merriman? I'll say 81. Critic score. 81%. Yep. Critic score. Critic score. Uh, I'm going to go 82. (laughs) 86%. Percent. Oh, guys aren't showing it enough love. And I'm so I'm so mad at myself. I'm just gonna completely derail us here because I remembered the banger I had. It's like, hey, in 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 the corner of the smoky room, blah blah blah. When he's not picking shitty horror movies um, for his (laughs) host, he's falling asleep on his guest spots. We have Mike Merriman from No More Room in Hell. Oh, (laughs) throwing you. You throw shade that, in the corner of the smoky room, cuz dude, I botched that, it so bad. But that that reputation will never leave me. I yeah, guess I know, I know. It, it follows me everywhere. I There's recorded proof my, of it. So yeah. That snore is my ringtone. <laughs> nice. All right, I'm famous. <laughs> okay. Hey, All we've right, actually we, had someone fall asleep on our show too. With full snoring and everything. It was awesome. Oh, I just I just want to say real quick. <laughs> On the nightclub, we had someone sh- show their balls. Oh, that's fun. That, and that was not expected. <laughs> it just well, happened. Yeah. No one it gets up in the morning thinking that they're going to see a set of balls. So, Dude, yeah. it was insane. It was insane. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Sorry. If you've, been do- if you've been doing this long enough, there's going to be lots of unexpected stuff coming your way. <laughs> Reeling this back in, directed by James Wan, who obviously malignant, insidious, James, what? You know what one of my Wan. favorites from him might be is fucking Death Sentence. Yeah, man. Underrated. That's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, Kevin yeah. Bacon is the motherfucking man. And also, yeah. I want to say Dead Silence is also fucking underrated, too. Yeah. I think that movie's creepy for, for what it is. Mm-hmm. James yeah. James Wan's a beast, dude. I don't care. And I, I'm not trying to be some kind of like main mainstream show, but I'm just saying, like, this motherfucker makes awesome movies. I, I, if you like, if you go back and you look at John Carpenter's filmography and you look, he's got a movie about a killer car. He's got a movie about uh, this guy with a mask that fucking kills people in the neighborhood. He's got a movie about uh, this alien from outer space. Look at James Wan's filmography. He's got, he's got like these haunted house flicks. He's got this fucking puppet flick. He's got this malignant movie, which is 
B-horror elevated to the next level. It's crazy what he gets away with. And he's doing the Aquaman shit, so that's how he pays the bills. It sounds like you're you're putting Mr. James Wan a little bit above John Carpenter, and and, and I no 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 I'm just feathers you're gonna rock. No no I, was like, I certainly to, hope not. Hell to no <laughs> hell no 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 I'm not putting James Wan above uh, John Carpenter, but I'm saying like eventually one day when when people you know forget that it's he's he's making all the money for everything and they go back and just look at the the diversity in his horror filmography. How all these great horror oh, directors all have scary demon ghost stuff? No, no, no. Scary they're bathrooms. not. They're they're not though. They're they're different. They're different. Um, I think I think it's gonna be like because when he introduces like the concept of the further and insidious and stuff like that, that's nothing that's been done. And that made me think of some Stephen King shit. I'm like, what 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 is he doing? He's always doing something that makes me say like, what are you doing, James Wan? <laughs> and and nine times out of ten, it works for me. I just want to say, like, I think the guy's, uh, he deserves to be in the same camp as, like, not quite to the skill level to a degree, but like a Robert Eggers or a Ori Aster. Um, Jordan Peele, eh, I think Juan can give him a run for his money. But they, I, I think he's one of the, the next, like, 20 years from now, people are going to be talking about James Wan the same way we're talking about Carpenter today or Craven today. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's kind of where, where I fall with uh, him and his films. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I've been a fan of Juan since the beginning. Saw is in my top 25 all time. I absolutely. I didn't even mention Saw. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love the whole franchise, even the shitty sequels, but that original is damn near. I, I do love the Saw. I just, yeah. just last year I rewatched. The, I, I love all of them. I really do. No, I really do. I enjoy all of them. You know, I can, mm -hmm. I can see that some are better than others, but for the most part, you know, even the ones that are like at the low end of the spectrum, I'm still a fan of, I will happily sit through that. I, I love those, those uh, really original ideas for those traps. My yeah. friends and I, we used to, we used to make it a point every year because they were doing it for a while where every saw mm -hmm. film came out every year and we'd make it a point every October it doesn't matter. Like, let's go see the new Saw movie. Like, fuck we, it. It's something yeah, to do, that, you know? That, cool. that used that used to be part of the promotion. They said, if it's Halloween, you know, it's Saw or something like that. That, that would yeah. be like in the advertisement on TV. I, I kind of look at the Saw franchise as like, almost like a Final Destination comparison, where even the lesser entries, you're still going to get fun and cool kills out of it uh -huh. at the least. So, uh -huh. you know, it's always worth seeing. The the first few Saw movies, that was our, our kind of thing. I mean, I think I was graduate. When was the, or no, when was the first one? Oh, five, I want to say, or was it? Oh, four. Oh, four. Yeah, I was graduated by the second or third one, but that was our thing. It would always come out in right around Halloween season and we'd go to the theater to watch it in our fucking costumes in college. And then we'd go right to a college party. I mean, that was that was our thing. I will disagree a little. Well, actually, here's what I'll say. I will agree with Travis and Venom in that I do think that he is going to be, you know, talked about in the top tier directors 20 years from now. But he he's not I don't I don't enjoy his movies as much as you guys do. Saw is, is phenomenal. That's a 10 out of 10. Um, malignant, not so much. Death Sentence was, was legit, but Insidious are like, man. Not, doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I, sh much, I, I shit on you. I shit on you, sir. <laughs> you, you, you're four foot eight. You're gonna need a big. I'm five. Here. No, I'm five foot four. You always, you always miscommunicate this. 
but I, but, that's but embarrassing. I, but, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even correct me with that. I, I own I own it, sir, because I still think to this day, I think I might be able to out drink you. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Oh, yeah, we're going to find out. It's going to be Mr. amazing. <laughs> Mr. Mike Merriman, uh, what are your thoughts on James Wan and what we've discussed so far? Um, let's see. Juan, I mean, he's definitely building a resume. I think he has a certain, I guess if you put Saw by itself, because that was totally just out of the wheelhouse of kind of what he's fallen into lately. I think he definitely has a specific style and it works. Uh, he has, he has technique down um i would probably i think you know starting not starting with malignant but i think malignant was a step in the right direction of getting outside of that box of kind of like the haunted uh house genre stuff uh whether he's gonna get see the thing i like why i put someone like carpenter in the status carpenter is that because it's not just the high quality but it's the variety of different kinds of horror and even not straight horror movies that he can make stuff like you know like they live or uh, escape from new york um that's carpenter i mean he is probably like in my top five favorite directors of all time though so when you say the name carpenter i'm i might uh, my eyes and ears are gonna perk up like who are you calling like carpenter let's let's check that but i i think you know juan's also a lot younger in his career so he has plenty of years ahead of him to yeah. put out more stuff. I think I think what I would say is I, I think Juan is good at his technique, but he has a specific technique that uh, he's really good at. And we'll see over the years him try to probably break out of that box. And uh, I mean, I'm curious definitely to see where he ends up or how he's seen in the next 10, 20 or more years. I want to dispel the notion that I thought that Carp like I'm not saying James Wan is on Carpenter's level. By the way, uh, I agree with you. If 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 you put a gun to my head and say top five favorite horror directors, John Carpenter is going to be and not even horror like like you said his diversity is insane. Uh, but but yeah, John Carpenter is the fucking man. But James Wan, yeah, he's got three or four what well, three haunted house movies, but he's got a fucking vigilante film. He's got this bizarro movie with fucking puppets and and shit i i that's crazy he he's he made the superhero movie which i've never seen i'm, I'm not really i don't care about that too much but um he also good. made he also made a, a fast and the furious movie which i'm also not even into that but to say that juan also has diversity i guess to compare him to carpenter is it could be blasphemy but but i also say take a second look at his this his filmography man like I don't think he's as one note as as is being portrayed. Um, I think he's got a lot going on when he gets into the horror realm. Yes, he he does have a style, but I also think that when you said Malignant was the step away he needed, I agree a thousand percent. Like this was him showing. I think he was he was flexing, and he was also being like, "This is where my heart really lies." Like, let me show you what's really going on here. I like that movie a lot. I really do. <laughs> so. There's a topic I want to dive into here in a second, but real quickly, in like 15 seconds, actually, let's just say yes or no, The Conjuring. Is this, do you like it or do you not like it? I'm just, and, and I'll explain why in a second. Conjuring, yes, I do like it. Tibu? 
I picked it for the fucking. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna yeah. say I don't want to show our cards and hands yet. Venom. We know Venom likes it. Mike, where you at? We'll do rating uh, at like, the end. But... If we're generally speaking, yeah, I like it. Okay. Okay. So the topic I want to get into, I don't want to derail us or anything, but I like the conversation and where this is going. Since we're talking about James Wan here, where does he rank? And your guys is you know newer or not or younger directors like your um, Eggers. Peel, Aster, Juan, you know, Ty West, one out, one out. Where, where is he at? You know, because we're not comparing him to Carpenter, but kind of are. So I'm just curious where where he's at in this new crop of directors coming up. Where, where do you guys think? Who wants to take take this first? I, I can set the stage because I, I kind of compared it to begin with um, and, and, and sort of fleshed it out. I don't think he's an Eggers. I don't think he's necessarily an Aster, although... I need to see Aster's third film. It's going to come out at some point, I'm sure. And I don't even know if it's going to be necessarily horror, but people would argue that the Northman's not horror either. I'll fight them. Um, I'll fight them. I think it's got enough horror elements that I'm putting it right there with the fringe horror camp, which means it falls right in line for me. But I think Eggers is like the top notch. I think he's the best of the new crop. If, if you want to call him that Juan is in there. I mean, he's, uh, Mike Flanagan would be Mike, another con- yeah yep that would be yeah. a contemporary of his and I'd say Ty West more so because they have more um, films under their under their belt but out of like if you want to say like out of Flanagan West and Juan I'd put Juan in the middle Flanagan on top and uh, Ty Peel West Draggers on top <clears throat> I I would put no I put no no Peel I I like Jordan Peele's movies man but people people really overhype him and and i'm not i'm not trying to hate and if y'all are fans appeal cool like it's awesome i'm glad i, I can't wait to see nope i haven't seen it yet I, I really look i'm looking forward to it i just know it's not gonna it's just not gonna be the thing i i doubt it i'll have to see it but i just doubt it i would say eggers and aster up there flanagan's up there and then i would put one peel Ty West. I mean, I'm probably forgetting some other uh, great filmmakers right now. Sure. You know, there's a lot of directors that have one-offs or, you know, you remember that movie, but uh, Juan would be in the, like, again, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about all these guys the same way we talk about Carpenter, Craven, um, help me out, somebody. Uh, (laughs) I'm blanking on these other fucking awesome uh, horror filmmakers from the fucking eighties and nineties, but um, you know what I'm saying, George like like a. Romero. Well, Romero. Well, storied <laughs> from the sixties too, yeah. But Romero, um, maybe Fulci, you know, like, but that's a whole different camp. So it, it all right, uh, yeah. It, it's 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 hard to say, but I still think that he's going to be um part of the conversation from from here on out. I, I think he's cemented himself. I hope he keeps. I really hope he keeps uh going in bizarre interesting directions because he has it in him and i'll echo it again malignant showed it to me oh christ all right venom what do you got buddy i i like james wan a lot but he is not anywhere near the top of my list of modern horror directors i've i definitely have eggers peel aster um i got ty west above him i got flanagan above him I even have Oz Perkins above him. I love Oz Perkins movies, even though he hasn't done a lot. But I mean, 
Black Coat's Daughter is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. And the fact that he wrote and directed that just absolutely blows my mind. So what about hey, Bagos? I love Joe Bagos. Oh, oh my Bagos. God. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, Joe Bagos uh, had my number one movie of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Bagos is probably shorter on the resume at the moment, but what he has put out, I, I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. Lars van, Lars, van, Lars van Trier is a controversial one, but I really like his stuff too. Nice. uh gaspar noe yeah. i i mean uh, i i think one of the things that you look at a lot of times when directors are kind of in the young younger stage of their career what i also like to look at is did they also have um a part in writing because i think uh juan was saw i think he was either a co-writer or the writer yeah maybe he was co-writer with lee Winnell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the, and the reason i like give um some of the people that venom listed off a higher status as of right now is because they a lot of them wrote the movies as well as just directing so it's maybe that's not like 100 percent fair to do but i will see what what ends up happening is a lot of times when these guys establish themselves it's because they're writing and directing then they'll start getting hired to do like the hollywood blockbusters and then we'll see okay what can they do with someone else's script where they don't have as much control you know they're just behind the camera but they don't have as much control over the story so that's why i said like once their resumes start getting padded with other stuff because you know it's going to happen they're going to take those big money jobs eventually because a24 it, it puts out the quality but you know it's not it, they're not going to necessarily bring in the money that like a conjuring type film will so eventually they're going to they're take the hired gun directing jobs where it's like hey just want to make it easy 50 60 million with bloom house or something okay come direct this movie so once resumes get padded out but um but i, I i'm pretty much aligned with venom with venom okay i would yeah i mean it's off the top of my head i would say there's a what seven eight i'd put ahead of him at least um, okay. but like i said yeah. everybody's so young in their career it's hard to say because five years from now what if aster and eggers don't put out good stuff then we'd have to revisit the conversation and be like well juan has a better resume now you know it, yeah, it's hard okay. to compare someone who's only put out two movies and they're both really good or in some cases three and they're really good and you're comparing it with someone who's put out like you know six seven eight it's you know yeah, it's it's tough, but I, it feels like based on what everyone's saying, it feels uh, Boss Tuna hasn't chimed in with how he thinks, but it sounds like Eggers is the fucking man. That's what it sounds like to me. Hmm. I'm not I, sure who I would actually call number one. I have a distinct top five, but as far as who is the best, it's really a, a matter of who put out the latest movie that's like, you know, that, that I've been thinking about. Obviously, most recently, it's Jordan Peele's Nope that may not be, you know, one of his most beloved films. I absolutely adored it. I think I came in a little bit the highest for Nope on our review on Fresh Cuts. And, you know, I just, it's one of those things. I think that because I'm a minority, I tend to recognize the social commentary a little bit more because I've had a lot of people tell me there's no social commentary in Nope. And I'm like, what the fuck movie did you watch that you think there's no social commentary in there? It doesn't even make any sense. So, you know, no spoilers. I know Travis hasn't seen it yet, but um, I, I, I personally liked it. But yeah, as far as actually picking a number one, I don't know that I could quite yet. Because there's, I mean, there's directors that I haven't even named yet. Panos Cosmatos is another guy. He's only done two movies and they're both two of my favorite movies, Mandy and Behind the Black Rainbow. He also has his next movie, Necrocosm, coming out uh, later this year that I'm look 
really looking forward to another movie that he wrote and directed. So yeah, it, it would just yeah. be incredibly difficult when, for me to pick a number one. When you and, talk and about, you guys, oh, sorry. I was just going to say really quick, you guys threw the name Flanagan out there and see the funny thing with Flanagan to me is I always looked at Flanagan as as good, but I wasn't sure if I was comfortable putting him in that next level status. But what did it for me was Midnight Mass, and that's not even a movie; that's just the show. If, if you, when we did our top ten of that year, we don't include shows, but if if we qualified like horror TV shows in it, Midnight Mass would have at least been in the top three for that year, and he wrote it, and that was a story he's been. I agree. It's been swimming around in his head since childhood. I thought Midnight Mass was that good that I was like, well the the argument of or my internal argument of how where i should see flanagan and over he's he's up there midnight mass is a movie i haven't or a show i haven't seen yet but um hill house yeah Yeah. it's 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 on the list but hill house is i love that i love gerald's game oculus was awesome um i even i saw dr sleep in the theater and i'm a big shining fan so is boss tuna um, episode mm-hmm. 50 of Joe Blow Horror Show, motherfuckers, go back because that's the in depth fucking shining show. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved Dr. Sleep, uh, not only the book, but but the film. I thought they made some interesting changes and I liked what they did. I liked Flanagan's direction. And, and I'm, I'm going to say right now, when you're in a theater full of people and a kid is getting torn apart in front of you and the entire theater is gasping and some people are fucking like, hooping and hollering because it, it, that <laughs> that that for a mainstream horror movie and that was a big budget horror movie like that was fucking fun to see with a crowd and it just kind of left an impression so yeah mike flanagan's in there writing and directing that's why to me eggers is like he's up he's like a nolan he's like a, a, a mm-hmm. kubrick he, he's an auteur man this guy's an auteur he's got a vision every fucking single movie he makes he's got a fucking vision and by god does he follow through with it? I'm sorry, Boston. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I in in short, wrapping it up, I fall more in the camp of of uh, Venom and Mike. <clears throat> I mean, I, I like him. He's done some really really good movies, but then there's some I didn't care for, and some that were just meh. Uh, Flanagan, I think he is a little bit overrated, to be honest. I I did not like Absentia one bit. I would say he's got a lot of movies that are really good. He's got a couple that are excellent. For me, it's Aster. He's at the top. Eggers, I'm I'm not the biggest Lighthouse fan, but The Northman was pretty solid. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm the fucking I'm, witch. The witch. The yeah. witch. The witch. My number I, one movie of the 2010s. I was gonna say, dude, if 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 I had to like pick a number one movie of that decade, it's probably the fucking witch. Um, oh. That that took me by. I saw that in the theater. That was a complete mm-hmm. surprise. It was either going watch. American made no no that was mother um Aronofsky by the way he's not a full-on horror director but my god Black Swan Requiem for a Dream uh mother it's it's all fringe horror but Aronofsky is another one that I would fucking say this dude <laughs> even even made- Aronofsky Aronofsky's uh first movie pie was a pretty much of a head yeah, trip yeah that black and white fucking mind fuck yeah dude that movie was uh, yeah awesome. I remember within the first five minutes, I was like, I'm not sure how much I'm going to like this, but like 20 minutes later, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like yeah. I was dumb. This is great. Ar- Aronofsky is a, is a, is a, is a tour de force. Uh, I, I love that motherfucker anyway. Yeah. But James Wan falls kind of in the, like not even uh, in the convo for you then boss. 
No, he does. Uh, I, I would still, I would put even Jordan Peele above him. Uh, he would be, yeah, he's, he's a really good director, but again, 20 years from now, I mean, let's revisit. I, li- I, I, like, I, do, I do. I do. I know. I know we need to get back on track, but I do like where this is going to a degree because I love get out. I think it's an amazing film us. I want to rewatch because I saw it two times. The first time I saw it, I was very unsettled with the ending and I'm not going to say it for any listeners who have maybe not seen it, but I was unsettled by the twist in that movie. It really kind of crept like creeped into my, my psyche. I was like, imagine living this entire life like this, like it's fucked up. Um, but Nope, I haven't seen yet. It's just, I haven't seen Nope either. So to be fair, He's only got the two movies I've seen versus all of Juan's entire filmography that I've seen minus his superhero movies um, and the Fast and the Furious one. But people love Fast 7 or whatever it's called. So I can only defer. And people seem to love Aquaman. They seem to really dig it. They're, they're looking forward to part two. Minus, uh, on Iowa boy. Minus Amber Heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, and, and, and side tangent. I'm pissed off that every time Michael Keaton's going to put on the goddamn cape and cowl, they cancel the fucking movie. They cancel <laughs> Batgirl. They cancel. They're they're about to cancel the Flash. It's going to happen because Ezra Miller can't stop fucking being a piece of shit. Um, so I, I'm I'm just like, give Michael Keaton a reboot movie. Can can we just go back? Can we get Tim Burton back and just do a full on? I want and I want to see Batman from money. the from the Arkham old folks home or what. No, no, dude, fuck that. Michael Keaton is a beast. What are you talking you guys, about? Did you guys read DC Comics? Are you aware? No. Of the King- There's a series um, from the 90s, I believe, called Kingdom Come. And it was basically a bunch of the DC heroes in their later years. So you've got like Superman really? with gray hair and a gray beard. You've got... I didn't know. Oh. Like Batman is dead. Batman's not even alive <laughs> in this series. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, it's a very compelling uh, series. It's it's like a four or six episode miniseries. But yeah, it's so. And I'm not a DC fan, mind you. I have never been a big DC fan. Um, I like Lobo. <laughs> that's probably my my favorite DC comic, and that's barely DC. That's one of their like side labels. But um, yeah, even for someone who's not a DC fan, um, I can I can you know kind of chime in on that one. I like. I'm not I'm I'm not a comic reader. I I didn't grow up with it, but I grew up with the the superhero movies from the the 80s and 90s. And when it comes to Tim Burton's Batman films, that's just that's my childhood wrapped up. And I've watched them in my my later years. Like I'm 33 now. I've seen them since Batman one and two. Uh, Batman and Batman Returns. Batman Returns is probably my favorite Batman movie of all Batman movies. Even Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman. Yeah, fuck. I, look, I love those. No, it's not. No, it's not. I love those. Global Horror Show is going to become a Christopher Nolan podcast if you keep that shit up. Oh, boy. I, I'll talk about Nolan. All. Dude, I, Interstellar <laughs> is the shit. Like, I love Nolan. Tenet, right. was, Tenet was a bore fest. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to reel us back in here. It wasn't hard to figure out either. It wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're like Snowpiercer. We're fucking, we're way off the rails. Yeah, let's go ahead. Go. Bring us back. Sorry. Let's <laughs> let's bring us back. So, yeah, obviously directed by James Wan. This is written by, I'm going to guess they're brothers. It was Chad and Carrie yes. Hayes. Um, House of Wax. I saw that in their credits. Like, come on. You show me somebody that doesn't at least appreciate House of Wax and, and Paris Hilton in there. Uh, if, if, if they say they don't, I'll show you a liar. But Surprising movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, starring Patrick Wilson, the, the very delicious Vera Farmiga, Ron Livingston, a.k.a. Peter, and <laughs> so he'll always be Peter. I don't know oh, yeah. Yeah, what he's yeah. in, but he's all, Fucking I mean, a. he's kind of a sneaky, he's in some bangers. I mean, what's the, um, not the, uh, band of brothers. Like, yeah, yeah man. Oh yeah. That series is the best. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, okay. Where do we start? Let's, let's start with the fact Travis had brought something up earlier about this kind of capping off. And I wanted to maybe just chat a little bit. I know Mike, you're saying pre-show. Well, you guys both, um, uh, the fresh cuts podcast, you guys watch a lot of new stuff here. Did, did you guys see this when it first came out? Was this a theater watch for you all? For me, absolutely, yeah. I was there yeah. opening because uh, you know, based on the strength of Saw and Insidious, I, I knew I had to see this film right away. So yeah, I saw it opening okay. weekend. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I saw it in the theater. I don't think Fre- Fresh Cuts doesn't the show doesn't go that far back to have covered this, but yeah, I saw it in the theater. I, I did as well. Uh, Travis, what about you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ba- ba- based on uh, like like what uh, Mike said. Based on Saw and Insidious, I was like, "Yeah, I'm." I'm people, it, it came out, and people are already talking about it. Like, this is the shit, even horror fans. So I was like, "All right, well, if the if the horror community is even getting behind this movie, I've got to go see it." So yeah, theater watch, it's awesome. Yeah, the festival buzz for that movie was off the charts. So they, I, I think half the horror community was already in line for that damn movie when it came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. So I watched this one time before the show prep, and that was in the theater back in 2013. Rewatching it, the biggest thing for me was the fact of how well it 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 stood up to my original expectations. And I think one of the biggest things with this movie that I I guess I I noticed and and kind of appreciate and kind of want to champion is the fact that for me, this is probably the most successful mainstream horror movie to hit the theater in terms of the scare factor, because this is rated R. This isn't rated R for, you know, sex scenes as much as I wish we could see the delicious Vera Farmiga. This wasn't rated R for excessive gore and violence. This wasn't rated R for violence or I mean, um, uh, language, this was rated R because it's fucking scary and it's very effective. And that's the one thing that even on a, mm-hmm. upon a rewatch, I really appreciated and, and, and kind of clung on to. It's so yeah. well thought out. Absolutely. When they, when they submitted this to the MPAA, they really, really wanted to get that PG 13. And of course the MPAA said, no, it's going to be rated R just for the sheer, you know, the fear of the whole thing it's too and then scary the filmmakers, yeah, exactly. it's just too fucking scary we can't give this to pg-13 and the funny Man. thing is is that the the filmmakers the producers of the film went back to the mpaa and said okay what can we edit to make it pg-13 and the mpaa said i, I don't think there's anything you can do to make this pg-13 <laughs> like literally you'd have to cut out half the movie and it's absolutely a valid um point James Wan, you made a scary picture. I, it's just too fucking scary. We can't yeah. fucking do shit. You, I don't know why they're all like the the fucking like they're from New York City. Yeah, they're all New York guys, and they're like, 
It's just too scary. You, 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 you gobble goods. Now they're Italian. Now you're getting a Jersey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I used to live there. It sounds so like Joey Colombo. Yeah. <laughs> Love Jersey. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing is, is how, how effective it was. And it, it's funny because I think that actually worked with this, this movie. If you think about it, look, the Bloomhouse ones are, a perfect example. Whenever you have a horror movie in the theater, horror is, let's face it, it's our favorite genre, but it's also the niche genre when it comes to theater releases. So they all try to, you know, pander to the wide audience and they want to get that, that PG 13 rating. And I think this one, it having that R rating and the fact that it was actually good and scary, like it had people clamoring to go see it. It had people wanting to sneak in that were underage, Dude, have their moms drop them off. When this movie has the opening crawl, um, after after you get introduced to the Warrens through, I like the clever as like the usage of how to intro this movie. Um, I speak English, I do not good. Um, <laughs> they 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 start the film off with the Warrens talking about Annabelle. And that's where the lore of this entire, what is now the conjuring universe begins. And, and thank, thank God, even though not all those movies are great, but I just love that there's a horror universe around this movie. I just think it's cool. I don't care if they're all not like stellar and, and great. I just think it's cool. And there are fans of all of them. And I love that for those fans. Like people love the Annabelles. They love the, uh, Yala Rona, they 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 love all the nun. They love all the all that shit. People are looking forward to the Crooked Man movie coming out. Mm-hmm. When when this movie starts out, you get introduced through Annabelle, and then the Warrens are playing film footage. At How a, clever, at a, yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean this this I, movie this movie more than doubled its its budget in the in the opening weekend. There you go. That's that mm-hmm. that, that that's amazing right there. And and the movie after they introduce themselves and they're like. Ed and Lorraine are, uh, you know, based on real characters or real people, rather, these characters are. And and they're like, we, yeah, we, we get called a lot of things. Um, we're demonologists because the college students were asking, you know, what do you call yourselves? Because they're unique in how they investigate these things. They try to bring truth out, at least in the, the fiction of, of these stories. The real life and Lorraine, I'm leaving off the table because I'm not I'm, I'm only interested in talking about the films and how they portray the characters. They're demonologists, they're uh, paranormal investigators, they're occultists, but they just prefer to be Ed and Lorraine Warren. And you get that title crawl, and that's the shit that's Texas Chainsaw style. And 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 uh, if Venom and Mike don't know, my two favorite horror films of all time, as cliche as it is now, it wasn't like 10 years ago because people didn't really know about this shit. But you blow up to the horror community and it's like, oh, yeah, people know about this left and right. It's uh, Evil Dead from 81 and Texas Chainsaw from 74. Those are my two favorite horror movies ever and have been since I was like nine years old. Um, great, great picks. Yeah, it's a great couple of movies. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, you can't really argue with those. And um, the title crawl reminds me of Texas Chainsaw. And when they nail you, this is good for marketing. This is always fucking sweet for marketing. When they nail you with based on a true story and you see that conjuring logo come up this is gonna be in 20 years iconic it's just gonna be it's gonna be one of those fucking like there's gonna be people younger than us that this was their exorcist you know this was their texas chainsaw massacre this is their movie that they're gonna come back more to so than like, a lot of others just with how popular it was 
Right, right. And and I think I think that's plays into it. Yeah. Mike, I got a question for you. So I know if I you know, again, we'll get into our rating scale here at the end, but I know you're I'm guessing you're gonna come in a little bit lower than us. Let why don't you share with us kind of where you're at with this? Did it not meet expectations? Is it is it not holding up on rewatches? Um, I'm just kind of curious, you know. All right. So <laughs> before I get into that, let me kind of set the table. So I, I think you mentioned that you had seen it in the theater and you hadn't seen it since uh, until the rewatch for the show. Correct. So I'm actually in the same boat as you. And so before I rewatched it for the show, I was trying to just go off memory. I was like, I remember coming out of the theater, like thinking, okay, that was a good movie. Um, I, I want to say I liked the second one a little better, but the third one, took a nosedive and I won't get into everything just because we're not talking about that movie, but going into this rewatch, the main thing I was thinking was, okay, we're going to get back to the first conjuring where the Warrens were in there, but they weren't such a huge part. Well, I must've forgotten that. No, they were a huge (laughs) part because surprise, 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 (laughs) because just to be perfectly honest now, I'm not anti warn the warrens being in the movies because i think they have a place in the story obviously but i it just must have been i mean we're talking almost a decade ago so i just must have forgot how much because to me i still like this movie i still think it's a well-made movie i still think there's plenty of uh good aspects i think Wong gets into uh, you know the techniques of uh, scaring scares some jump scares i think that's all good and well the problem is i think the, just the emphasis on us spending time with the warrens kind of derails the movie at times a little more than i remembered and maybe because when i saw in the theater you know seeing it for the first time that wasn't kind of on my mind because we hadn't yet had two more conjuring movies where to me the warren's presence kind of increases over the time and i think there was still a hangover a little bit from seeing the third one and to me the third one was almost like hey don't we love the warrens okay i guess i guess so so going back to this one yeah yeah i i get i mean judging by what everyone else has said about it i'll probably come in a little bit lower when it comes actual rings but by no means do I not think this is a good movie. I still think it's very effective. Okay. Like everything that takes place in the house of the family, I think that's great. I just noticed on this watch that like, wow, we actually take some chunks of time away from the family to uh, get to know the Warrens for what reason I don't understand because it almost feels like half of it becomes the Warrens movie, which I'm not as much of a fan of as much as the family itself. When, when I first saw this movie, when I first saw this movie, I I I, I didn't have like kind of like you like that's the way you felt about it. I didn't have um, neither did you based on what you're saying. So this phrase is not going to work. But let's say preconceived notions, but that's not correct because you didn't either going into it, seeing it in theaters as well. But I I fell in love with the Warrens in the first movie, and that carries all the way through for me, which is. Part of the reason I, another part of the reason I picked this series, I love Patrick Wilson and fucking Vera Farmiga. I love her, man. She is, she is the best. I love them. I love their chemistry. I love their performances. 
I believe them. I love their as love. As it is, I can't imagine anyone else in these two roles. No, I think no. they're, they're great. They're, well, they're, I would say, okay. And that's why, why it pains me to say what I say about the Warrens, because the, I have no issue with their portrayal. Like we could, you know, if, if you had, if, if the conversation wanted to go there, we could debate all day about, Oh, are they honestly depicting how the real Warrens were? I don't think that's, as important because it is a fictional movie. Right. I think right. their I think their acting is on point. I mean, if yes, uh, I think that the uh, chemistry between them is legitimate. I, I think that they they uh, they do a great job depicting the Warrens. How because I believe it with the when the first Conjuring came out, either both the Warrens were alive or at least the wife was, and I think she actually uh, didn't she consult like kind of how she wanted them to be depicted somewhat. It was, it was just the wife. Um, Ed okay. died in like 2006 or something, but yeah, yeah, it was, Ed was, it was her. And, I, Ed was and I think the fact that she consulted actually kind of helped the on-screen chemistry with the characters. So when I, when I criticize the, the amount of time we spent with the Warrens, it's not, don't get me wrong. It's not on uh, Patrick Wilson or Formiga because they're just doing what the script tells them to do. My issue is just that, I don't think we need that much warrants now. I will just quickly because I want to give like some context to this. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there was a movie in the early '90s, and it was actually a made-for-TV movie, either called Haunted or The Haunted, and it was a very similar story to this. And I thought they and but in that movie, the Warrens kind of came in in the third act as like, okay, we've we've exhausted every other thing we could try to do to get rid of these poltergeists or whatever they were and the warrens kind of come in and i was actually kind of surprised because after seeing the conjuring movies where the warrens are such a big presence to go watch a movie that featured the warrens but they were kind of a third act like hero i was like wow i to me i kind of no i didn't prefer that movie but i preferred kind of the way they handled the characters of the warrens but like i said that's just a specific gripe but that's not gonna say that's not gonna make me say it's not a good movie but well, that's just I, where i'm coming from i hear you on that and for me like and and again part of the reason i picked the series the warrens are the heart of this series to me like without them there is no i don't think without patrick wilson and vera farmiga doing what they do and, she's known and, as the delicious vera farmiga on the joe blow horse show so dude she is she is astounding and and very delicious um deservedly so yeah oh she <laughs> And I don't want to be so base and say just delicious, but I mean, like she is a woman. She is a woman, son. So like, yeah, mad respect and mad, mad sex appeal going towards Vera Farmiga. Uh, but also portrayed because I, 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 the way she portrays her love with her husband and the way he does too, even in this movie, he's like, he brings her a cup of coffee in one scene. This is so small and minute, but I'm telling you, like I, I glue, I'm glued to their them. They, they, they make the series. Uh, Ed brings her a cup of coffee, and she takes a sip while they're talking about some heady shit, and she makes a face, and he's like, "Not enough sugar? I'll be right back." And I'm like, "Bruh, this is what a, this is what it's all about. Fuck the fucking haunting. I just want to see you guys be sweet to each other for like three hours. So, like this is the best. I love that brings I love, up. I love them. It, it <laughs> love brings them. up a topic I had and. I've got a question for Venom here in a minute, but I didn't look at that way, uh, Mike, and I've got an idea of where you're coming from. So I can see where you're coming from. It sounds like it's almost like you're saying 
the portrayal and having the the Warrens in it kind of takes away from the meat and potatoes of the film as far as what we're there for is the story and the scares. Is that kind of or am well, I well like like if we were gonna compare it to I think it's insidious, right? With the further and how at a certain point, you know, the I don't even know what if they called themselves like the goat the ghost whatever you know, when Lin Shay and her team eventually come in, but it never feels like the movie kind of transitions into a movie about Lin Shay and her team. Right. It still feels like it's firmly about the family and what's going on with the further. And they're just kind of there to help where in this, this movie, I kind of, I feel like it emphasizes. Yeah. I, I will. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but I, I, to me, it kind of feels like it almost transitions to a movie equally about the Warrens, which to me, that, from and that's side. just a preference thing. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I actually agree with Mike. He's right. The conjuring is all about the Warrens, but that's why I fucking love this series. I legitimately am a fan of the Warrens in real life and in cinema. Um, I think Patrick Wilson and Vera are spectacular and I want to see more of them. That might be why I love three so much because we get more Warrens. We get in more Warrens three than bro. ever. Yes. And, and I, just absolutely love it like for me what's funny is that I, I feel like me and mike are the opposite whereas he's going to see conjuring films for the scares and the over-the-top creatures and everything else i'm going to that's, see the warrens yep, i want to see i was i think there's two sides of that and that's kind of where i was trying to get to that, exactly that, that, yeah that's where we are man dude and and who who said they like part two more than part one who said that i was mike I was okay. saying it, but it's also just based on a memory of seeing it because I've that, only seen all three of them once until I rewatched this one for the show. So well, it's kind of memory break, based. I'm, I'm going to break the fourth wall like Boston did on the fucking third episode and be like, we recorded this shit out of order because you know what? Um, we talked about part three already. I, I, I've already fucking gave my love for the Warrens. Part two, spoilers for everyone out there. Part two is the best. It's the best one. And it's because... They are fucking all up in there, bro. You're fired. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. No, this that... is my pick. <laughs> I can say what I want now. Well, yeah, because that, that even reinforces my point that like I had forgotten how big of a presence they were even in this one because I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater. So, I mean, I I would totally believe you that I probably am mis, uh, misremembering how much they were in the second one, to be honest. Oh so, man, it's all about that. Oh, go mm -hmm. ahead. So I, I was gonna say just just to give some context to uh, Venom and Mike, when I was doing the prep for this, it was the first time I'd seen the third one. It was the first time I'd seen, or no, I saw the second one, but that was right when it came out, and I I'm I think I was drunk when I went to the theater to see it because I did not remember. I've it. got the perfect context and, for them. Boss Tuna is a one-time watch guy. He, he, he doesn't usually rewatch films and his, his philosophy is the first time you see a movie is the biggest impact it will ever have on you. So that's kind of, that's kind of where he comes from when it comes to watching some horror movies, not all. It's true. That's, I was going to say that's, that's absolutely valid, but I'm kind of more in the Dave Z camp where second watches are incredibly important. I'll give you a perfect example. Since we're talking about James Wan and Mike knows this because we reviewed it on fresh cuts. I was not that big a fan of Malignant the first time I saw it. 
It's like you give me two acts of a haunted house movie, and then the third act is the Matrix on crack. And I yes. just I didn't know what I was in for. So it just threw me for a loop. Cause you got to realize supernatural is my favorite subgenre of horror. I love ghost stories, I love haunted house movies. So when the movie made that drastic tonal shift, it kind of <laughs> threw me for a loop. But I watched it again about a month later after we reviewed it totally did a turn see now that i know what the movie's about and kind of know where it's going i could i can appreciate it at a different level so uh, as far as cole though with the one watches our co-host on um creature comforts donna nelly he's the exact same donna nelly is a one watch guy even godzilla movies some of the you know kaiju movies are probably some of his favorite stuff out there he's a one watch guy it's probably why he watches so many goddamn movies <laughs> i mean it, i will say that there are movies that i do so a movie like, um, I, I don't know, just off the top of my head, like The Void or It Follows, those those thinkers, or even mm-hmm. like some some of the Astro films, those, I will rewatch those just because there's so much, thematically, it, you kind of have to watch it. it yeah, there's a lot, of sub, a lot of subtext to that. Yeah, them. yep. So those ones I will rewatch, you know, stuff like The Conjuring. I mean, I like this movie quite a bit, but it, it doesn't have... You know, it's, it's, I feel like watching it again, it's not like I get to read into, you know, what really is, you know, the motives behind the Warrens, et cetera. So it's not as much on my list, but honestly, I just don't have the time there. There are, I'd love to. Did you not watch the fucking movie again? They tell you what the fucking motive is. God damn it. No, I'm I'm just using that as an example. I'm going listen here. You, you, you you hermit midget. Listen, no, you listen. To, to say to to say honey hair honey hair is speaking whenever 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 Jesus the warrens, is speaking yeah sweet baby Jesus uh the warrens say in the in the in this film that we that we're talking about the whole point of all this is not to write a book it's to help people that's their motive is to help people and they even show it when they go into this one couple's home and they go up into the attic and they're like yeah no it's not you're not haunted. It's it the, the woods expanding because the, the air coming through here, these pipes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, believe it or not, nine times out of 10, your house is never haunted. It's always a rational explanation. And I love that whoever wrote that the movie, side. well, they showed the side, but whoever wrote the film left in the term rational explanation, even yeah. though you're dealing with people who deal with the irrational, they're trying to speak the, the, the lingo for, for the common folk that they know that they're dealing with. Um, that, that, that gets into, again, psychology of the Warrens in these films. Outside of the films, I don't know. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the Warrens. And what I've read, they seem hucksterish to me. Because um, in real life, <laughs> I'm not a believer in any of this shit. Uh, I don't think ghosts are real or whatever. But, but I, but I, but I love all of it. I love it. Um, and I, I like getting creeped out by it. I, ha- I had another uh, another bone to pick. Um, Boss Tuna, mm-hmm. you often say supernatural horror films are your least favorite, but they're also some of the Scariest. best. Scary. Yeah. 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 I I wonder if your term or what you mean by supernatural is what you what you think it means, because I don't think it is. Supernatural encompasses way more than ghost stories and haunted house movies. Supernatural is a lot of shit, like a lot. It's way bigger and broader than than just yeah. But I'm 
you're you're kind of reading into it too much you know we always give mark nato when he comes on shit because he always picks those quote-unquote types of movies <laughs> and that actually brings up another point that i was going to make here in a minute but but to give this the reach around and and all the way back to where i was coming from i do see where mike is coming from and to me it's it's kind of like that double-edged sword because you do like that amped up you know the high adrenaline you know, meat and potatoes of what you think of with the conjuring. But on the flip side, I think that it's necessary to have characters like the Warrens because we've talked about this before. It's the peaks and valleys. Movies like this are are predicated on those peaks and valleys. You've got to have that valley, um, you know, to get that heart thumping peak and that really good scare. And I think it does a good job of, of you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like the blue balls. I mean, you got that you're sitting in the dugout at the baseball field in ninth grade and she's getting you there. And then she's like, okay, I got to go home. So that's, you know, it does. The Warrens, the Warrens get you there and they, they're not the blue balls of this series. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's, it's that break that you need. It's that catch your breath and get you ready for the next one. Another thing I really dig about this movie that we haven't really brought up yet is the pacing of this film. This is a two hour haunted house movie. You know, the horror movies in general, Mike and I tend to say there's very few reasons for a horror movie to be two hours. And the reason I want to praise the the pacing of this is because I watched this last night. My intention was to watch an hour of it last night because I started really late. It was almost midnight and, you know, I, I work in the morning. So I, I planned on watching an hour of it last night and then finishing it today before the show. God damn it. If an hour into it, I was just so in, engulfed in this story. I, I couldn't get to bed. I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to have to finish it. Like I literally, I noticed when we were at the one hour mark and I'm like, ah, let me watch a few more minutes. And then I blinked and the movie's over. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I absolutely adore this pacing. And Cole, you were kind of talking about the, the ebbs and flows of this movie, how, you know, you've got those quiet scenes to kind of prepare us and, and, you know, rest from the last jump and then prepare us for the next jump, if you will. So I, I, it's just one of the things that people don't really talk about with these conjuring movies, but I this pacing, I, I absolutely adore. Yeah, dude, I, I, I a hundred percent agree. This, this movie is a juxtaposition to the third one where you have very well – setting up a jump scare for a seasoned horror fan is hard to do. It's very hard to do. And even though I don't I, – I haven't seen everything. I've seen enough in my life that I know when a jump scare is coming. James Wan has an uncanny ability to fucking just get it in there. Oh, yeah. When I don't really – like I kind of might suspect it, but then – it comes from somewhere else and it's just like, Oh shit. And this is probably my fifth or sixth time watching this movie since it originally came out. I saw it in theaters, had to show a few friends and then over the years, just watched it here and there whenever the moment struck. Um, But to, to, to watch it again for this review, it's probably five or six watches. Um, There's still a few moments that got me. I don't get scared anymore when it comes to horror movies. Um, Mm -hmm. Unless it's an idea that that can creep into my mind, and that'll be the the thing that that lingers. Like it it follows. I keep bringing that fucking movie up. It's not even one of my favorite horror movies, but it has an idea in it that that really stuck with me, and I I like I like giving it that that praise and that shout out for that. But The Conjuring is another one where it kind of dug in over the over time. 
And there's certain Im- there's there's imagery in this movie. There are scares in this movie that really like hit home. We haven't even gone into the plot at all. Uh, yeah, we I want to keep us on that scene all. on that note because the, the very very first thing I wrote down as I was watching this for my notes was just simplicity, but effectiveness. Because you're right, even back in 2013, we we got through that phase of the jump scare. The difference is, is James Wan doesn't need to have a blaring music cue. It's something as simple as the, you know, that that was creepy as hell. I mean, let's talk about. He does. He does do the. He does do the the cliche thing though. Like whenever the daughters are screaming because they see the dead dog outside, the music ramps up while the parents run outside, and you're like, oh shit. But you're right. But the jump scares, the hand clap motion, like. That scene when she when when um the wife of Ron Livingston is is uh, at the like, top strikes, of the steps yes and she strikes Dude. that match and that that <laughs> you want to play the hide and clap game from if down in the basement and then right next to her yeah because you're expecting it at the bottom of the steps when she yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah it, ooh, yeah. yeah there's simple I, but effective I agree I agree boss simple I, but effective yeah I was just gonna chime in right there and say. I actually am more of a fan of like the, I guess you could say either jump scares or just like horror gags of like the first maybe hour, hour and a half before it gets over the top because I'm, I'm a, when it comes to like haunted house movies, um, I tend to be like old school and how I like my uh, scares in them. And the clap game was like creative, very simple, but very effective. Uh, the, the, when the, um, the Warrens are out kind of in the front of the yard by the lake talking. And then all of a sudden Lorraine Warren looks up and sees the body in the tree, stuff like that to me. That tree is so iconic. Yeah. And it it shows that like, you don't have to go crazy over the top to be effective. Like one of my all time favorite haunted house movies is uh, changeling changeling. Yes. And that was was a simple, yeah, that was as simple as a, as a ball bouncing down the stairs but if you do it right that can be the most creepy thing you've seen in a movie the whole year just because and they of do, how they do the ball they do the ball in this movie right in that scene where she right before she runs up to the top of the stairs you get the changeling fucking uh reference with the ball falling down and she's mm. like oh shit and the light bulb explodes and yeah man changeling is fucking yeah. awesome anyone out there who has not seen the changeling from 1980 go fucking watch that shit that movie yeah. is fucking gold Changeling is one of my top three haunted house films of all time. It's it's Dark like a holy trinity God. for me. Yeah. What's the holy Anything trinity? But Jackson. I mean that that no took no get no the, get out that took some that from the Changeling as well too. Like the scene. Oh, absolutely. Covered yeah, yeah. sheet scene on the steps. Oh fuck that yeah. Movie, that movie that movie that movie's so overrated. Anyway. Oh my God. Uh, I'm gonna fucking slap. <laughs> what's hold on? What's 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 everyone's haunted house trifecta? Oh, mine is easy. Uh, 1961, The Innocence. 1963, The Haunting, and The Changeling. Nothing even comes close to those three movies for me. I don't even know if I've ever seen The Changeling. Tell you the Ooh. truth, dude, it's, it's it's getting a 4K next month. Dude, <laughs> yeah. George re- C. Scott can't go. We're gonna on. review it on the fucking Joe Blow Horror Show. Then that guess what, bitch? Next time it's my old pick. It's coming. I'm telling you right, right. now. Yeah. Venom. Venom What's already it? gave his. No, those oh. are me. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mike, sorry. Uh, the Changeling is definitely one of them. Probably The Haunting as well. We we actually just talked about that movie on our show. Yep. Um, what would be the third one? What was your third one, Venom? 
that the, the one innocence. I didn't name the innocence. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be up there too. I love uh, I, I love the the turning of the screw. The turning of the screw is actually one of my favorite stories ever, and the innocence is by far the best film adaptation of that story. So yeah, but and Barbara Kerr is spectacular and, and uh, Oscar worthy in that film, legitimately. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. for me, if it comes to haunted house films, um, oh, the old dark house from the 30s. I, I love that movie. It's kind of a comedy horror to a degree. But it's it's it it's so entertaining and it's so mind blowing when you when you go back and watch something like that. Um, the Changeling is is also in there, and even though I love The Conjuring, I'm gonna say Insidious, man. Insidious is mm-hmm. like it it how how um, you could say some some of these movies can go over the top in the third act. Insidious went way over the fucking top. It went, and I love when a movie can do that and actually nail it. it for me, nail it. Yep. Insidious nailed it. You have Tony Tim coming off a fucking phonograph player while this demon is sharpening his tools next to his marionette puppets, and they're in his lair. And I'm just like, bruh, this movie just <laughs> went to a, it went from a fucking, yeah, it's like, this is the, the twist. This is the fucking flip. You think you're watching a haunted house movie, but really you're watching an interdimensional struggle with this fucking demonic force that's you can't even explain them. Yeah. And I really, and, really love the way they tied in the sequel, the way that they would incorporate scenes from the first. I've never getting, seen like, I've never you've seen Insidious 2. I've never seen <clears throat> excuse me. I've never seen any of the Insidious sequels. No. Wow. I, I I I well it, it's it's not because uh, I don't I just never got around to doing it. Um, And I always knew they were prequels. And I'm like, uh, to a certain degree, I like prequel films, but I also know that there's stakes involved that you need to have. It's like Better Call Saul. I just finished that the other night. I love Breaking Bad. It's my favorite show of all time. And Better Call Saul is right there with it. But when you know there's some stakes that are just not, present it kind of takes a little bit away from it i'm not going to get into that show to to tangent further but uh it, it wrapped it up in a great way by the way I, 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 think way. For, I think for the final season the stakes was all of us wondering what the hell was going to happen with kim wexler because i i love better call saul as well and oh, i was dude. more worried i was more worried about her character than anything because like you said we know we know what saul, happened you know yeah. exactly okay yeah. has everyone here seen better call saul season six not I don't think I, I've seen. I, I don't watch. Yeah, I barely watch television. Okay, well, I man, I, I I'm dying to talk to someone about Howard. I'm dying. I'm dying to I talk. I haven't seen I, it yet. So hey, right, I see. Well, I see what you did there. You're dying to talk about Howard, dude. <laughs> I really want to talk about that part of the show so bad because. Anyway, all right. Boston, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, let's 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 keep oh, let's keep this train rolling. Uh, I to get to to list my third, I I probably maybe say Poltergeist might be my third of my Holy Trinity oh, haunted house ooh, movies. Yeah, classic. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't know why. I don't know why that one slipped my mind. It's been like a favorite since I saw it as a kid. I just, I, I guess I was just blinking. <laughs> The whole time you guys were talking, I'm trying to run through my head. I, I just, these are not my type of movies. I can't even really name any, except 
I can't remember what episode it is, but Tales from the Crypt, the haunted house one where the newscasters are outside. I remember watching that as a kid and not being able to sleep for days. So whatever <laughs> that episode was, that terrified me. Nice. There was a Tales from the Crypt episode, I think, where like some, it was like a sleazy news program went to like a, uh, either a sorority or a, a fraternity and like the the call letters were I think like DOA dead on arrival or something and at the, at the end of course they keep them in there and kill them but that that was a pretty good episode but yeah that's, I, that's the thing there, there's a lot of bad haunted house movies so that's also a problem I mean the one only through. one that came to my my mind was one I brought up was anything for Jackson I don't know I could probably because I just saw that what two years ago or what was yeah it? Well, two years ago I mean I mean I really like uh house with William Cat, but that's more of like a comedic tone to it than straight horror you know but I still well, really like if it you, if, dude if you like that have you seen the old dark house oh yeah 1932 uh, haven't seen it in a while but yeah it's good oh, it's, it's a strong one man I love the perform. I love everything about that movie. It's got the atmosphere. It's got great performances from everyone, and the imagery from it alone. Like, yeah, it's it's a comedy horror, but it's so much fun. Like, I just really love. When I first saw that movie, and this is this, this is not. Yeah, we are tangenting, but you know what? It this is all based on like a haunted house premise, and this is what The Conjuring is. It's not my favorite type of horror film, but when you go back and you watch some of these older movies and you work your way through the years, it it, it builds up to something. And I think what James Wan encapsulated in this movie was for a haunted house film, if you would just blanket statement, be like, hey, great haunted house movie, but let's 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 have a top 10. I think The Conjuring could possibly be in there. I would agree. Um, yeah. I, Beale, think, I think it would be. Yeah, Beetlejuice kind of is because ninety percent of it yeah. takes place in the house. <laughs> Ob- obviously, obviously, you would have to include like comedy horror in there, but I yeah. mean, technically, it's a haunted house movie. Dude, dude, I'm 38. I watched that as a kid. I mean that that was right in my wheelhouse. That scared me. That legit was was a scare. Like, you know, when they're at the kitchen table and the lights go and they're doing that weird fucking sing along bullshit. That was fu- that was scary <laughs> as a kid. The Harry Belafonte. Uh, yeah Yeah, i mean when you're a young kid you don't always get the context of what's supposed to be funny versus scary so funny things can scare you daylight come and we want to go home (laughs) that's the one (laughs) one of the The banana boat song that really separates well I'm, i'm i'm gonna rephrase that and say one of the things that i guess is is forefront with this movie is and that makes it as good as it is or as popular however you want to word that is even though we talked about the fact that some jump scares were really effective because you didn't know what was happening or or the clap game but there were a handful where you knew something was coming and it was still it was still fucking scary it was still it was still creepy as hell and i think that's a testament of of not only james wan but really what makes this movie effective is, is, you know, something's going to happen and you're still freaked out. That brings me to the fact of how well the lighting was, because what it did was, is it, it was, it, it, it did the lighting to a point where the shadows were so thick and it was so dark. Like you're kind of focusing and focusing and focusing. And next thing you know, like it, it you're trapped, you're, you're, you're sucked into this black hole and then boom, something pops out. So 
at one point when Ron Livingston is walking through the house to to like explore uh, noise. I think his name was Peter. Yeah, Peter. He keeps getting shocked by that goddamn doorknob every fucking day. Um, when when he when he when he's walking through the house, Office Space reference for the uninitiated. <laughs> um, when he's walking through the house, I'm like, who would who would keep the lights in their house like this? You can't see a fucking thing. Like it's beautifully shot, but I'm like, if you want to nitpick, this is a James Wan ism, a Wan ism, if you will. I'll coin the term tonight, fellows. Her her her. <laughs> How are you going to light your house like that? You can't see what you're doing. You're barely walking through it. You're stubbing your toe left and right. You're stepping on Legos. I mean, that's well, called I mean, that's called movie magic. It's also no, don't I forget, know. it's it's 1971. I, so. I love I love it. I love you're, it. Don't that's a good point, Venom. That's a good point. I mean, no. 1971 is yeah, the, the house that they moved in, well, I mean, the real house, not the one that they shot in, but the real farmhouse in Rhode Island was over 100 years old when the Perrin family moved in in 1970. So um, there's, it's not going to have any modern amenities. You know, it, it's going to have very little lighting. You know, they're going to have to bring in their own lighting, you know, lamps and shit. So let's uh, ask let's ask Phil Perrin how he feels about his family being portrayed in this movie. Well, <laughs> funny, funny story. Uh, is uh yeah um the fact that they actually toured that actual house and they ended up making a a full-scale replica just because i mean you know believe it if you want on the internet but they it was too creepy i guess so they were like you know what we'll just do a full-scale replica well, they couldn't. I mean, they're they're not going to be able to shoot at the house. The, the the owners of the house in at that part wanted nothing to do with the production. They claimed that there was no supernatural phenomenon whatsoever occurring at the house. Um, the the owners actually sued uh, the company, sued the production company after the movie came out in 2013, because after the movie came out. Uh, people started like breaking into the property, like, you know, taking pictures, ghost hunters, everything else. They actually tried to sue the studio. Um, the case got thrown out. So what the current owners decided to do is just start selling tickets. So they just turned it into an attraction because they knew they weren't going to be able to keep the people away after the movie came out. Smart play. Absolutely. Might that's as well like make a few bucks. That's like some <laughs> Bell Witch, Bell Witch type shit. Y'all know about the Bell Witch? Of course. I'm, I'm an East Coaster. <laughs> Yeah, like that, that, that's like uh, Samuel or whatever the fucking dad, John, uh, uh, John, John Bell. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. he, he was selling tickets to, well, not tickets, but they were taking money from people to have people come and like stay at their house and, and see the phenomena. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, you gotta imagine like, let's say that shit's real. And you're capitalizing on your own horror and terror, but at least you're making money. But it's like, dude, if that's real, if that's really for real, and you're having these slap like the ghost, I I find parallels between the Bell Witch story and and Conjuring. The ghost in that movie was fucking like beating his wife. She always had bruises on her. Ron Livingston's wife, and pulling the kids out of bed. The Bell Witch would slap people and fucking mm -hmm. torment them like that and knock on shit and make all, all kinds of noises. The only thing you're missing is all the voices. Like if this if this movie would have had voices for the ghost, this would have been the best. Um, <laughs> we never we never touched on Bathsheba and, and everything else that's going into this. Well, that's give me just completely a like 
we're almost spoiler free at this point, to be honest. We kind of are. So I know we're we're running a bit long here, and I want to be um, respectful of your guys' time. We'll get into the story here in a second. The last thing I want to talk about, and I got a question for for Mike and Venom. So obviously, right away, title card, you get the whole you know based on a true story thing. For me personally, I think I, I'm when I go into a movie. For you that that don't know, I go. I, I'm not a trailer guy at all. I want to go in as blind as possible, and I, I kind of give myself to the movie in the fact that I I'm a sucker. So whether it's true or not, I, I see that based on a true story, and I'm like, you know, like I'm I, I'm in man, fucking hook line and sinker. I find it's a little bit scarier, and especially in a case like this, where even before seeing the movie, I knew you know, Lorraine and Ed Warren. And, and I'm like, yep, this is going to work for me. So it's kind of, uh, I mean, it's a trope that's, that's been around, but I wanted to ask your guys is, do you guys see something like that? And are you the ones where you're like, Oh, here we go. Or, 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 or do you like let that draw you in or, or is it a trope that you're just kind of over at this point? Which trope is that? I'm sorry. The, the, like based on a true story, whether, Oh no, I absolutely adore that. Yeah. I I love seeing based on a true story in front of a movie. I'm also not an idiot. And I know that 100% of the movie isn't going to be true. I mean, you have to sensationalize it to sell tickets. And I accept that. Um, If you think about it, uh, you could consider the third act of every conjuring movie just to be complete made up Hollywood stuff. Um, After this movie came out, both, Lorraine Warren and Caroline Perrin came out and said that the movie is incredibly accurate that, you know, especially for Caroline Perrin, who is still with us um, to say that this was, you know, incredibly accurate. I, I, I'll, I'll trust her word. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm way cool with based on a true story. I mean, hell I, I, I'm a true crime guy. I listen to true crime podcasts and, and watch those shows constantly. So yeah, I'm big on it. What about you? Yeah. I, I'd say I'm pretty neutral. It's not going to, that alone is not going to put me in one direction or another. Now, if, if I get the based on the true story crawl at the beginning and the movie sucks and I'm going to be like, well, you should have picked a better story to base your movie on. But um, uh, other than that, yeah. So I, I guess to me, um, when it comes to trope, when it comes to tropes overall, just generally speaking, and I think Venom, you've spoken to this too on, on our show, I give me something good and I don't care if it's original or not. I, I just want something good. I, I I'll watch the 20th slasher of a weekend that I'm marathoning slashers. And if the 20th slasher movie I watch is good, I'm not going to hold it against it that I just watched 19 slashers before it. Just give me something good. Now, if I can get something original and good, of course, that's probably best case scenario, but you know, we're a hundred years into well, I guess maybe even over a hundred years into cinema now, uh, getting something a hundred percent original is uh, damn near impossible. You're, you're always going to almost any movie you watch now is going to remind you of something you've seen before to a varying degree. So just make something good and the rest kind of falls into place. Speaking of Ari Aster, uh, make sure you guys go check out. There's something with the Johnsons. If you want something original, oh, holy shit. Oh my that oh, sure that's, is uh... a wow. I can't even recommend that. To 10, out 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of fucking 10. I absolutely agree. <laughs> but, 
Like my wife yeah. would be mad if I if 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 I made her watch that. Oh, <laughs> I'm also man. the guy that gave a Serbian film a nine and a half out of ten. Oh, that's a ten out of ten to me. Is it deservedly I'm, so? I've never uh, okay. I, I've okay. never seen it, and I don't want to. And yeah, I, I'm I, with my peeps now. Damn. No, no, no. Really, but, I'm like, I can watch the most fucked up shit of all. T- I can watch actual murder videos, which I don't do on the reg because that fucks me up. But um, uh, morbid curiosity <laughs> keyword on the reg. Well, morbid morbid curiosity makes you seek things out, but I don't mm-hmm. want to see a movie about fucking a baby. I just don't want to watch it. So no, it's valid, I, I, and, and I don't give people shit for that. A Serbian film, stuff like a Serbian film, Sallow, you know, multiple others. They're not for everybody. It, it's definitely Sallow ain't the same thing as that. Like I don't, I I know the premise, and I know it's not all about the one scene where the guy fucks a baby. It's it literally it's like a three seconds. Yeah, like you yeah, don't actually see anything. Exactly. That's the great exactly. Thing. I know that. I know, <laughs> but I just don't. But do you because you've never seen it? I don't want to. I but don't do care. Yeah. No, Honestly, not really. I mean, no, not not do you want to see it, but no, movies like make, a Serbian. If you film. make me watch it, I'll watch it for the show. I, that's the only time you'll ever get me to fucking actually watch it is if you say no. We, we fucked up because it. that was like one of the first first movies we rated now so i'm good then i never have to fucking su- yeah. su- subjugate myself to this fucking piece of shit movie <laughs> no venom I, I, I cut you off what, what were you saying there buddy I'm oh I was, I was just saying that it's absolutely valid if you don't want to watch the movie not all horror is for everybody and uh, admittedly i seek out some of the most debaucherous stuff out there i've got like 80s german films that would make marines puke but you know a Serbian film is a special movie. You need to be able to get past the debauchery. If you can't get past it, you're not going to see the brilliance of the film. Yes. And I'm not going to ever give anybody shit for it. Really? If they watch a Serbian film and they call it just trash with no artistic value, I'm not going to argue with them, even though they're 100% wrong. <laughs> that's like that's like saying that's like pe- that's like people that don't like the Beatles. It's like you just yeah. don't. Well, I- I'm just saying it's the same thing. Absolutely. I, so, well, so, oh so yeah. I, wait, wait. Saying you don't like the Beatles could be a personal preference thing, but to deny their influence on right, exactly. the genre in right. yeah, the world of music was influenced by the Beatles, whether you personally like their music or not, it's hard to deny. Right? And I, and I'll say that about a Serbian film. I recognize that a lot of the majority of horror fans love it. I'm just not personally ready for that movie. But I've seen. I think I've probably seen worse shit. I've, oh like yeah, I said, there's I, much worse out there. Yeah, absolutely. But I, just, I mean, because the I, Serbian film's not even gory. It's all just about its psychosexual content. It's yeah. it's barely there's like one decapitation. Yeah, I was say, there is a couple. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, overall, it's not the gore that I, that anybody yeah, remembers that, from that movie. <laughs> you would never label it like a splatterhouse type movie. Nothing. Did, like y'all, that. did, did y'all see um the the night the nightling? What is it called? Uh, Boss Tuna from last Nightingale? year. The Nightingale. Oh, rough. Saw, okay. Rough. So the, the my most mo- hated scene in that movie is when that man. We, that we know man, what scene you're talking about in the beginning. <laughs> the <opening>. uh, <laughs> when he, no, it's not the opening, but oh. it's it, it's when yeah. he takes. And throws it. Yes, we know. He, the baby. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I almost turned the movie off. I was just like, dude, I don't. I don't want to see this shit. But I finished the movie and it ended up on my top list, but. It's that shit. I'm just like I have a hard time mm-hmm. coping with. Uh, there was a band I liked in high school called Lost Prophets, and they had a cool album called Start Something. And then I found out years later that the singer for that band was raping babies, mm-hmm. literally raping babies. And I'm like, 
ill in inside myself like my heart is sick because i used to like that band and their record and i'm like dude this is some next level yeah. fuck you shit so, I think. Uh, I mean, I think we've all gone through that where somebody that we, you know, kind of admire ends up failing us. I mean, my heart kind of broke when I heard about Victor Selva because I, I absolutely love the Cheapers Creepers movies, and I me still too, do. Me too. Yeah. But oh, I will man. never forgive him for what he no, did. Fuck and, him. Fuck exactly. him. I, I still haven't seen part three, and I'm happy that the new one, Reborn, is going to a different, a whole different. Yeah team of people because one of my favorite memes is how how does the jeepers creepers guy not only go to the dmv to license his vehicle <laughs> but how does he get a personalized plate you can do all that <laughs> online <laughs> well you, got, you guys right. have seen martyrs i trust martyrs no i have not the, okay on well, my list. Well, I, I won't i won't spoil anything obviously out of courtesy but i'll just say like that's the type of movie where i don't by the end of the movie, I don't think you could say that like everything that goes on in the movie isn't justified by the story and what the antagonists are trying to accomplish. So to me, I, I've you know I'm old now. I, I went through my you know late teens, mid twenties, where my goal was to just seek out the nastiest, grossest thing. I'm kind of indifferent to being on a mission for that now. But I can still acknowledge that there are some movies that contain that kind of content and it feels earned and justified versus people that are just, you know, there's nothing to the movie but that. If, if there's a reason for the movie to be extreme like that, I'm fine with it, you know. Mike, the, 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 when you say that, it's like I had that urge for a long time, like seek out the most fucked up shit. And I still kind of like that. I like I like finding the schlocky stuff now too. Like like that's always it's always been there though. Like I didn't know it was, but doing doing podcasts and getting into this world even more. Like now that the internet's blown up and you can connect with people. Like mm -hmm. I I wouldn't like I'm from fucking South Louisiana. I would not know Bostuna had we not met through the fucking internet. And I'm so the much happier that we did because one day we're gonna fucking meet and hang out and and podcast together for sure. And I'll when be we're in person having to walk around on my knees. So I'm only three feet taller than you. Well, I'm just saying like, though, that he's like, we're going to meet and we're going to remake a Serbian film. No, <laughs> he's, he's the baby. Oh, well, that's cool that you guys God. may eventually meet because I, I actively try to avoid Mike, even though we're in the same state. So, yeah, yeah. if I well, even hear he's see, coming south, see, I go to Vegas. See, NorCal and SoCal are almost like a damn world apart. That's how big our state is. Yeah. yeah, we're like eight hours apart, practically. Yeah. Y'all should still go meet up. Hell yeah, oh, man. We, we will. I mean, I, I just haven't had a reason to be in so Like, the next time I go to SoCal, I'll, I'm definitely going to see what's up with Venom. Maybe, to, like, maybe if, hang out. if you pick a good movie for a change, he'll... he'll <laughs> 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 what I'm, okay, I'm no, going to do what I'm going to do is buy him all the movies that he's hated the most on our shows and deliver yes. them to him. So he's nice. got to be appreciative. I, like, and then uh, I'm going to trade him in. What's get home? something what, I like? What Venom? Venom? What are your most hated movies that Mike's got gotten for you to oh, watch? Oh God! The thing is, is that most of the movies that I dislike that Mike has picked aren't horror. Um, Mike and I used to do a show called theme warriors where we actually like, it wasn't a horror specific show. We would just pick a theme and then each of the four hosts would pick a movie that kind of coincides with that theme during the run of that show. There were a couple of movies that Mike made me watch that I, I literally would have strangled them if I met him in person. 
What are they? I want to know. Oh, what was that Jesse Eisenberg movie, Mike? Uh, do you remember that stupid movie with the, the doppelganger? The social network sucks. Uh, no, what the hell was Vivari- it? Are you saying Vivarium? No, not, not no, Vivarium. No. There, there was one that he played two characters, and yeah. it was like... I can't remember. Was it like a twin or a delusion no, or something? No, but... no, it's not. It's not Jesse Eisenberg. You're thinking of Michael Sarah. No, no, it's definitely Eisenberg. No, um, it's. I'll look it's it not up. that. It's not that Michael Sarah movie where he was. It was. He was the bad version of himself and the the good version of himself. It's I, Michael Sarah. That, that sounds right, but I don't. That's think Michael Sarah. Yeah. See. Well, it a lot is. of people get them confused. No, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was Eisenberg. But I don't know. Venom's looking it up anyway. He will. And well, he'll we'll find figure. Out. I derailed myself. I don't even. Well, if know you if you hear was. if you if you hear him get physically ill through his microphone, he probably found it. So just uh, <laughs> keep that. In mind. I, I, I I just I think it is Michael Sarah though. I'm pretty nope, sure. I found it. It's definitely Eisenberg. It's called the Double. Is the name the of the Double? Movie. Yep. And it is Jesse Eisenberg playing Simon and James. Didn't Michael Sarah play a movie though where he was the good and the bad version of himself? He may have. Uh, honestly, I, I don't really follow Michael Sarah as much. I don't either. Not that I follow. I, I mean, does anybody? No. <laughs> I, in fact, I was talking to Cody Co earlier tonight, and I was like, "What happened to Michael Sarah? He fell off the map." Like after after this is the end, I don't know him. I heard to him be on an A twenty four podcast not long ago. But reeling this in, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, the conjuring? Are we covering the conjuring? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. Before we hop back into the conjuring, I'm just gonna say, uh, to be to be clear or to be upfront with you, Tibu, the martyr martyrs were actually Jesus Christ. Let me start over. Martyrs was on my short list of movies to watch. Maybe we'll have to do a fireside chat I, and have I've seen Mike on because. They're right in my wheelhouse with these type of movies. <laughs> make, sure it's the, the make sure it's the original one, the French one. Oh, well, God, exactly, yes. because you know what? I, I saw the American remake, and I thought it was the French one when I rented it. I really thought it was, and that's the one I wanted the French to see. One then. Yeah, because no, I never... You won't have to wait a whole year to do this again. Boom. Good. Well, so, I, yeah, I, same I, thing with Inside. Inside is another one of those French extremity movies that they did an American remake that was terrible. Yeah, uh, so, youth, youth in Revolt. That's the Michael Sarah movie where he plays uh, two characters. Oh, nice, cool. <laughs> oh, so you weren't all full of shit. Anyway, <laughs> no, real us back fuck, in. Fuck all y'all. Conjuring. Hey, welcome to summer of the fall of the winter. I hope not of the Conjuring. <laughs> Michael Sarah is is the conjuring and he's conjuring up a fucking piss storm. He was right actually now. in this movie. Did you see that? Yeah, he was there. He was like a little baby boy. No, he was that, the that, conjuring. He was the that, the conjuring character. He was no, the conjuring. In, in all seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> That's sorry, all sorry. I had for the bullet points. I know we didn't touch on the on the on the actual plot or anything. Tibu, I know you had something you wanted to touch on. Um, you know, we'll we'll start wrapping this up here, but let's get into the plot or the story. I know it sounded like you had something you wanted to <laughs> This is no, I, I, I was no, I fuck that. Fuck the plot and the story. We've maintained a spoiler free, completely like everyone who's ever heard us. We always break down movies scene by scene. So far, we're having conversations about these movies, and I think it's lending to a lot of fun, open dialogue that we don't normally have while we review films or movies on Joe Blow Horror Show. So, um, <laughs> I think this has been a lot of fun. Fuck the plot. Like, go watch The Conjuring. <laughs> That's the plot. Go watch the fucking show. You've mm-hmm. heard us talk about it. We all feel different ways, but 
I picked this as the, the the series this year because I really appreciate what James Wan did with parts one and two, and I love what they gave a first-time director the opportunity. They, they gave him an opportunity for part three, and I think it would – you know, you could call it this, that, and the other, but I have a lot of fun with that movie. I thought it was really cool. We're so on the Conjuring it, 1 there, bud. No, but I'm saying if that was my first movie, I'd be pretty fucking proud. The Conjuring is not James Wan's first movie. Are we getting into the final thoughts? Like, do I need well, to fucking no, go I want to open it? the floor up to, to Mike and Venom here to see if you guys had any other points or anything you wanted to. Bring okay, I'm sorry. Yes. Story. Feel free to spoil. I mean, our listeners know we spoil the shit out of everything. So, I am a fan of this story in general, though it's not perfect. I, I will say that there are some plot. I don't want to say plot holes, but there is the more I watch this movie and I've owned it since it first came out on physical media, it's almost an annual watch for me. But um, yeah. every time I watch it, I tend to see something else that kind of leaves you scratch in your head. They do kind of all get into the, like, you know, spoiler territory, but like even the ending of this movie, I kind I mean, of have talk, issues talk about with. it. Yeah. Let me know. Let, I, I'm curious. I, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't, do, do we all think that they defeated Bathsheba? I feel like that all they did was got Bathsheba out of Carolyn Perrin, but that she's still out there. She's still at the house. Like, like to me, this ending is very open-ended. Like we save the Perrin wow. family, but what did they do to get rid of Bathsheba? Absolutely nothing. So it's like, did they really, I mean, you helped this family, but did you help society in general by getting rid of this demon? I don't think they did. Uh, a minor point like that, uh, things like that, little things like that. Why did they keep Rory's toy box? Like they keep all these evil items at the museum, but why did they take the, the music box? The music, Bathsheba wasn't attached to the music box. Rory was a, you know, a docile spirit. So I don't, you know, th there's little Aaron, things like that throughout the film that I've I'm gonna fucking, questioned. I'm going to jump in and, and be like, fuck you, Venom. You <laughs> nit, you nitpicking son of a bitch. You want to question the artifact room? No, yes. I'll be I'm, no, hey, I love you as a guest. I'm not. I'm not being an asshole. I'm just being myself. But but I, it's all love. I, I'm gonna say like the 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 artifact room is so dope though. Like why? Oh, not? it's great. I love yeah, it. like yeah. like. But but you're nitpicking, right? Well, I'm only nitpicking on this particular item. Like, why did they keep the toy box? There, there's no evil attached to the no, toy box. You're, you're, no, you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right based on what the Warrens say their logic is about these possessed items and everything. So right. Rory was attached right. to music box and Bathsheba was essentially the, the deep. So the little girl was playing with the box at the beginning of the film. So you, yeah. you got some kind of, at least There's a touch, a touch, a touch. But I, but I do see what Venom's saying, and I, I agree with that. Part the reason the reason yeah. I ask is because they say, in the movie, they actually say that I'd rather know that the genie's in the bottle. Yes. But the only spirit attached to this box is an innocent boy. Why not set him free? Why not destroy the box and set him free? He's malevolent. He doesn't... Or, and, he's not malevolent. Venom. Well, Venom. That was the son of Bathsheba, right? Bathsheba was the witch that tried to... No, no. No, Bathsheba... He was the witch that tried to kill him the no yes. Bathsheba possessed the mothers to kill the children so oh, Rory right. was yes, killed yes. by his mother um and we actually see the scene because it's the fat woman in the attic who says she made me do it she made yes. me do yeah, it yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Rory's mother um so yeah like I said it, it 
it's not a nitpick necessarily on the movie. I'm just like, the why trap poor Corey? Uh, why pa- uh, trap poor Rory in this room when he did nothing <laughs> wrong? <laughs> That's all I'm asking. <laughs> it's it, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to answer because exactly I, I agree with what you're saying. Like uh, I have no, there's no argument for it. Uh, not really, not really. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you then I'm or I don't know who if we have like a resident uh, Warrens. Uh, expert here but did the actual warrens keep a uh collectibles like a haunted collectibles storage room like that yes sir i was gonna say because it it, it, it reminded me of uh friday 13th tv series how like they had the shop of cursed items or whatever yeah um no no i've actually been to the uh the the the, uh the warren supernatural museum it's in newton connecticut Uh, i'm from i'm from waterbury connecticut so uh, unfortunately when i went it was after ed had already passed i think i want to say it was like 2008 2009 Um, no she was not there um there were a couple of her juniors were there like guys that she works with on the paranormal stuff but she unfortunately was not um i think they said she wasn't feeling good i mean she was like 92 at the time so um yeah, yeah. but uh but yeah that room that's awesome is that pretty you went awesome, there. and it's way bigger than they than it looks in the movie it's actually oh, bigger <laughs> they have more than the fucking hollywood budget movie would let them show Yes, they have. And it's not just one room either. It's like the entire. I love um, this. Yeah, I no, love this that, so that place is awesome. It is still open to the public, by the way, even though Ed and Lorraine are both gone. Uh, it absolutely is uh, open to the Lorraine public. Lorraine passed it's, away? Uh, did she? 17 yeah. or 18, yeah. Yeah, because oh. I remember people. It's right before the devil made me do it. Yeah, oh. I, I just remember people getting really shitty about shooting, yeah. you know, the, the real life Warrens after I actually got into an argument with a with a fellow podcaster after Lorraine died because he was kind of just, you know, bad mouthing her and talking a lot of shit like on, you know, social media, like on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. And I kind of went and defended her a little bit, you know, even though, yes, they've been accused of being shysters. Yes, they embellish I, a lot of what they've written in their books, but 2019. I say, I say, I say that because earlier I know I said I, I, I'm not in support of hucksters, but I don't yeah. hate Ed and Lorraine Warren as people because I don't know their full story. I just, I just know what I've. That heard. was the point. Yep, that yeah. was the point I was trying to make to this guy. It's like all you've ever read, and, and then I even asked him, "Have you ever read any of the Warrens' books?" And he said, "No." And I'm like, "Well, then you're only telling one side of the story, dude. right?" Right. I've right. read two of the Warrens' books. It's been ages, but I did read two of them. One of them. Uh, one of them was about the devil made me do it, but uh, the other one wasn't about any of the movies. It wasn't I, about the Enfield haunting or the parent farm. I tell but, you what, Mister Venom, like mm-hmm. based on based on like just what these films do for me, I'm a fan of the Warrens. I don't care if they were hucksters to, to to some people. If they thought they were helping people, and they were, if they were helping people, I'm I'm all about it. Like I am a skeptic. I'm not a believer in religious shit and all that stuff, but but I do love all this. I still love all this this shit. Like I still think it's cool and and I get into it, but like if they were really helping people and solving problems that hey man, I might not have the understanding of of what you're dealing with like these demons and shit. Like fucking hey man, the Warrens based on the portrayal in the films don't know him in real life uh i never really looked into it but i'm a fan I, i'd be a fan of the real life people because i think it, it'd be cool like that they were uh you know you gotta make money you gotta you gotta survive so it's cool. i get that but if you're fucking out there giving people peace of mind 
hey man what's and on top of the fact of how many shysters do you know that successfully work in their field for over 50 years yeah it doesn't sound like a shyster to me i mean sure he may have had experiences with certain people here and there because i i don't know if you guys know but uh the warrens were actually kicked out of the parent farm in real life um they they never performed an exorcism um obviously uh ed warren said he would never perform an exorcism that's only clergy that's allowed to do that but of course for the movie they have to sensationalize ed warren was the only non-ordained uh well, that's yeah. that, demonologist recognized that's the, by the church that's what the at the time yes. said but what is that true? at the time yes well oh, at, the time, it, at, at the time at the in the 1960s there were only eight uh registered demonologists in the whole country seven of them were members of the clergy and ed was the only one that was not now uh there are over 500 certified demonologists in no the but that but but that's true though that's yes that 100%. that's awesome oh my god all right so the opening title crawl that we referenced earlier and just now gives us a, another bit of true hit. When I yeah. when I saw it again on this last watch, I was like, is that true? Would that be a true thing? I was kind of <laughs> questioning it. But yeah, man, fucking Venom's yeah. bringing the knowledge. All right. 100% true. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I should uh, apologize or pat myself on the back for asking Venom about the Warrens because that added like a new segment to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stop Stop uh, derailing the train, would you? No, I, I'll fucking derail it further. Fuck you, boss tuna. Shut up. Um, <laughs> no, no. I uh, to, to reiterate and, and keep it brief again, brevity. I love the Warrens. I think they are the heart of this entire film franchise. I, 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 I adore them. I can't say enough good things about Patrick Wilson and Viga Farmera. She is, she is just Formiga. She is just doing the thing. I mean, goddamn. Yeah. Um, they're the best and. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> um, anything, Mike and Venom, you guys want to add before we wrap this up with final thoughts and ratings? I mean, if you've heard my shows, you know I can go on epic rants, so I'll try to <laughs> limit that. But yeah, ultimately, I absolutely love this movie and this franchise. Always been a fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned how much I'm a fan of James Wan, even though he technically might not be in my top 10 modern horror directors. But that just that just kind of shows the gluttony of great horror directors that we have right now. I mean, we're legitimately in a golden age of horror. I mean, not wow. since the 80s are we getting the number and quality of films that we're getting right now. So, yeah. Um, and this franchise is no exception. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I would just to add to that, like, obviously, from what I've said on this show and probably what I've said about The Conjuring in the past, I do like it. I think I just fall sh a little short of loving it, but I totally understand why people love it. Like, it's not it's not the type of movie where I look at people that like it or love it more than me and I can't understand it because, you know, there's a, there always are those polarizing movies out there. To me, The Conjuring is not a polarizing movie. It's just people are going to are going to like it to varying degrees. I don't see how people could hate the movie, though. Right. It's not that type right, of movie yeah. to me where where you would dislike it. It might just not you just might not like it as much as other people. But at the, at the end of the day, it's still a well-made, effective haunted house movie. And that's most of the time all you can really ask for in these types of movies. So we'll get into final thoughts and ratings here. I'll go first, and then we'll go Tibu. And then, Mike, we're going to have you go because you're going to bring us down, I hope. <laughs> and then we'll have Venom uh, finish us off with a double wrister because I 
Oh my god, I've been I've been on uh fucking yeah, dude. Oh shit. We <laughs> we can have Venom finish us out, but I'm just saying, uh, you don't want me to come in last? <laughs> it's been my <laughs> serious pick. <laughs> you might be surprised. No, okay, no, never well, mind. Where, where, where are you thinking? Where do you you want to go first or last? No, no, it'll be you, me. No, me, okay. you, Mike, and then Venom. Everyone could hear all the slamming and shutting and everything else. I apologize to the listeners. Holy shit. I apologize to our guests, too. Let's go, Bostuna. Let's jump into these final thoughts and ratings. My my baby has been these summer franchise reviews. And we we went off. We started with a banger last year with the, the Dead series. And it was T-Boo's turn. And, and I was kind of nervous. What are you going to pick? And he said the the the, con, the the conjuring franchise. I was like, eh, okay, hadn't seen them in a long time. I'd only seen the uh, first two long ago, and never seen the third one. The biggest thing with this movie was how how surprised I was, how much I enjoyed it after the first one. I had intended to just watch, well, I watched them all within a day and a half because. I need to see the story. I need to see the warrants through the first one. The biggest thing with me was how effective it was. I, I, again, I, these are not my favorite type of movies, but they're the scariest. And this one actually freaked me out. I watched this one during the daytime and I'm not going to lie sitting in my living room, watching this, you know, the wife and kids were gone. I, I shouldn't have been on edge as, as, as much as I was, I shouldn't have had the sweaty palms, the effectiveness and simplicity of it, I think, is really what shines through. So I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with this. Even upon a rewatch, if you can call it a rewatch after, what, nine years or however long it's been. So I really did like this one quite a bit. And I'm, I'm going to come in at an eight and a half out of ten. And yeah, The Conjuring. Fucking rights. That's I told you right away. I know Tibu is a little bit surprised with this, but wow, extremely, extremely effective for maybe I'm, I'm I'm curious if to hear, I guess, Mike and Venom on this note, but I might be weighing this a little bit more than I should just for the fact that it's I'm not trying to be like a pinky lifted wine sipping connoisseur <laughs> or reviewer kind of thing but i'm weighing a little bit the fact that this was a mainstream theatrical release movie and it was done way better than i thought and expected especially upon a rewatch so eight yeah. and a half for boss tuna yeah okay so i picked this as my summer series because i've said before it's highly impressive to me that these mainstream films are as good as they are you just said that um when it comes to me as a horror movie watcher, I love the brilliant shit, the cerebral shit, the cosmic shit, the folk shit, the zombie shit, the vampire shit, all the shit. I love the schlocky shit, too. I can appreciate Night of the Demon from 1980 or Mystics in Bali or whatever the fuck we do on the nightclub that's crazy off the rails and give it a high fucking score because I appreciate the effort and the, the outcome. Honestly, when it comes to a film like this, you take into consideration this is big time. This is Hollywood. This is a, a director with some clout. Um, this is a movie that redefined for a generation what a haunted house film is. <sighs> the Conjuring. 
it's 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 hype and it's also effective it's simple but effective so yeah like mentioned mentioned earlier this is the kind of movie that will be talked about later because it just appealed so widely and so effectively yeah it's a nine out of ten for me um i don't it'll never be a masterpiece it just it's not but not 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 to me but um i can see how this is someone else's masterpiece like this is someone else's 10 out of 10 and i i appreciate everything it's doing to the fullest degree a 9 out of 10 is a, a um a heftier review or rating than i'd, I'd kind of want to give it but i'm also giving it that rating based on where i think it's going to be later i i really think this is going to be in the annals the annals <laughs> of, of horror history the conjuring is going to be uh, um a at least for grief. the generation yeah yeah it's good it's going to be up there man like this is going to be an important movie one day mr mike merriman all right so i think that this movie like you said it's a big mainstream movie i think it's uh one that's going and casting a wide net out to get a wide audience with its style uh i think james Wan. it's a style that he excels at i think you know we we didn't obviously we didn't go over uh like scene by scene details but i think i kind of said my pros and cons on the movie i still think the arrows trending highly positive overall of this movie despite you know my small amount of criticism criticisms of it i think you know the cast is great i think uh the story is uh effective and you know i i think um even though there was a little bit of world building that we kind of brought up by you know having um certain opening scene i think we said what it was right that's not spoiling anything we didn't say with the opening scene what we get so um yeah overall i I think this is a very good movie. Maybe my rating is a little higher than you guys would anticipate. Um, <laughs> I'm giving it an eight out, eight out of ten. Oh, nice! All right. Yes, Mike Merriman. Before Venom goes, uh, real quickly off the top of your head, give me your ratings on two and three. Whoa! Just uh -oh. out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity. Uh, well. Like I said, I've only seen them the one time. So based on my memory, I like two the best. So I would have to say I'll, I'll give two a half point more just because okay. obviously the details of it have escaped me. Sure. Three. <laughs> I, this is this uh, is <laughs> no fuck mm. you, Bostona, you son of a bitch. I hope you die I, right now. I don't want to be too harsh on it because <laughs> I it's hard to rate something you haven't seen in a while, but it's it's. I mean, three is only so what, three. a couple years old. It's it's one year old. It came one out year, last yeah. year. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll fuck? say it's the best. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. <laughs> Mike Merriman said that the devil made me do it's the best. God, you guys are gonna be. No, I'm gonna no, get the side okay. eye. Uh, I'm going to say between six and a half and seven for the third. I'm putting six and a half because that's pretty much where it should be. Oh, he said I'm seven. He said seven. Oh. <laughs> Venom, carry us on, buddy. All right. Well, 
I uh, to piggyback on Cole's point, I actually am a tea sipping, pinky raising horror fan. I love my <laughs> elevated horror. I love yes. my art house horror. Yeah, but just like uh, just like our boy here, I appreciate everything. I love the schlock. I love the gore, um, the splatterhouse stuff, uh, all of it. Um, yeah. And this movie, I'm not even gonna say. I'm not even going to say things like, oh, for a Hollywood movie or for a big budget movie. I'm going to say flat out, this is a great fucking movie. I love this movie. I don't care if this had a $10 million budget or a $50,000 budget. If this is the movie that we get, I absolutely love it. I love these performances. Uh, I love the scares. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, this is at least an annual watch for me. I've watched this movie at least 12 to 15 times, I, I like you know, since I bought the Blu-ray. And it's still effective. Even last night watching it, I was shocked at how tense I was still. There are some scenes that are still incredibly tense. And one thing that none of us have actually brought up is the emotionality of this film. This That finale is very emotional. I'm not a family man. I don't have kids. But when when you know when they expel Bathsheba from Caroline Perrin, that whole you know kind of sense of relief and everything else just works for me on such a large level. Even though, like I said, I have no kids. Mike has kids, of course, so he might be able to you know kind of feel what a parent in a horror movie is feeling a little bit more, especially when their child is in danger. But even without that real world experience, the emotions of the final of the finale of this movie still are very effective for me. On top of the effective jump scares, set design, um, creature design, you know, with our with our antagonist, just all of it. Just absolutely love it. I am giving this movie an unapologetic nine out of ten. I yes! love this film. And I 100% agree with you. I think, I don't even think it's going to take 20 years. I'm going to, I'll say in, in about 10, people are going to look, yeah. once, once this movie hits the, uh, its 20 year anniversary, people are going to look back at this incredibly passionately. And, and it'll probably get a whole new audience too. Just like you were saying, yeah. as these movies get older, I mean, shit, I, I watched The Shining with someone who had never seen it very recently and they loved it. And you know how, oh, you know how wish happy I could that have makes that me. feeling back. Exactly. Oh, I Mr. see that Venom, all the time. Mr. Venom and me are, are now best friends, and we're going to start our own podcast called <laughs> You Guys All Suck. And uh, yeah, that's that's what it's called. You guys suck. <laughs> Venom, give me your ratings on two and three, please. Um, I still really, really love three, but you know, it, it's one of those things that it, it's really hard for a sequel to kind of come up to to its original because in the original that's when you're introduced to the characters that's when you first but dude, meet but dude they do it with the warrants they do it oh my they absolutely god do and as i've said totally still love this entire franchise I am gonna I'm, I'm give sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm gonna give two and three the same score, but for different reasons. Like two okay. is that roller coaster ride circus, uh, you know, yep. big top event. You know, it's fast food, it's comfort food. Oh, Whereas dude, three is good though with the character yeah. development with the Warrens, though. I, I love I That's, love the Elvis. You haven't scene recorded that, that yet, so just just I'm <laughs> just trying to I'm just trying to relate to to, to Mr. Venom. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I do not agree with you. I, I, excuse me. I do not disagree with you. Excuse me. I, I absolutely love the second one. Um, like I said, I'm giving two and three uh, the score for different reasons. I'm giving three the same score because I love how grounded in reality it is. It doesn't have the over the top characters like the crooked man. Yeah, I understand there's still, a, you know, 
a major suspension of disbelief, especially for me. I'm from Connecticut. I remember seeing uh, the devil made me do it court case in the news. So, it, you know, kind of like a hometown thing for me. I actually grew up less than 20 minutes from where the devil made me do it. Murders occurred or murder occurred. Um, so, yeah, I'm coming in with an 8.5 for both of them. Part two is a comfort food roller coaster ride. Part three is grounded in reality. It's and I and as Mike said, I love when franchises take chances. They took a chance with part three, and in my opinion, they succeeded. I know I'm in the minority on that, but I don't care. Absolutely, still love the third one. I love these ratings, man. I love I love what you're doing right now. I I, I gotta say, like part two for me is my favorite. Part one, nine out of ten. Uh, great, great fucking. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Mike, Cole, Boss Tuna. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say thank you, obviously, again for joining us, Venom. Super excited to have you back. Obviously, if you will, we're going to have you back next year. And Mike Merriman, same thing. I mean, you, you're you. We've got the barb hooks in you. We're we're up here <laughs> musky fishing up in the Midwest here, and. I just threw a big old bucktail and smoked you right in the cheek. So we're going to drag you back in next year as well, if you can. I went down to, into the swamps and I brought a flashlight with me. A flashlight? You mean? A, a flashlight and you click it real quick and the <laughs> frogs get scared and you catch them frogs. Cause, and then you have them frog legs. Dude, you, oh man, you're, <laughs> you're so all over the place. Bruh. Uh, I'm saying down here you eat frog legs. <laughs> Up there you eat fucking I don't know bison, whatever the fuck y'all World. doing. <laughs> hey, wrapping this up here, uh, we're gonna have Mike go last since he's <laughs> our new guest. But Mr. Venom, mm-hmm. why don't you? Uh, I'll do my my best. Hold on here. <clears throat> Duncan McLeish here, pink your pimp your wares. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right, well. Um, when I go over the, the list of shows, it, it's going to incorporate everything that Mike does as well. So I'm not sure how much more he's going to have. But obviously, you can hear me on all of the No More Room in Hell shows. We have the main show, No More Room in Hell. Episode 47 was just released. That's where we looked at 19, uh, what was it, 1959? or ah, I, We looked at the house on Haunted Hill and The Haunting. Uh, for once, Mike picked some great movies. So nice job there. Oh, uh, I, I, I knew I had to do it just in case I was a guest on a show. And I was there like, you go. I, need some, <laughs> I need some good uh, publicity. <laughs> um, no More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts is our weekly show where we look at the newest genre releases. On the last episode, we looked at the latest A24 release, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And on the next episode that actually will get recorded this weekend, we're going to look at the new Shutter release, Glorious, which is getting a lot of positive buzz. I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not sure where where I'm going to come in. But yeah, that one's looking really good. On No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. That is the creature feature specific podcast that I do with Mr. Doninelli and Derek B. Uh, Derek is our co-host on the main show as well. Uh, the latest episode of that, episode 11, uh, covers Phil Tippett's Mad God, which was recently released on Shudder as well. And our next episode, which is actually our one-year anniversary episode, we're going to be recording a Fantasia Fest um, special where we we got a chance to watch three creature features long before they're going to get released. And we're going to be doing spoiler-free reviews for the first time because all three of the movies that we're going to be looking at are still under embargo. They don't even have American release dates yet. They're, they're all Japanese movies. Yeah. So, And then... 
I'm going to go ahead and announce it, Mike. I don't care. <laughs> All right. I, I was going to say, I, I was wondering if you wanted to, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, might as well. I mean, uh, and then our latest venture, the fourth in the family of No More Room in Hell podcast uh, is called No More Room in Hell presents the Crystal Lake Gift Shop. And what that will be, we're going to be doing an episode by episode retrospective of the Friday the thir- 13th series. From oh, the late my 80s. God. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Part of the reason that I want to do this is because I was a religious viewer of this show. I watched it beginning to end when it first aired, and I have never watched another episode since then. So part of the reason that we're doing this show is to see that I'm to see if I'm still as high on this series as I was in the past, because I I never it never bothered me that, you know, Jason Voorhees isn't a part of it, blah, blah, blah. I like that they did something original, different. So, if, you know, if, if you want a uh, guest on that, please let me know. Oh, damn I would right. love to do it. I would love oh, to <laughs> we'll let saying. you know, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be our latest venture. We have uh, we have our guests set up for our first episode. We just have to figure out when we're going to record it. And um, that that show will not have a set schedule. We're just going to kind of throw episodes out there when we can, whereas all the other uh, no more room in hell shows do have set schedules. The main show is by week, uh, by monthly, twice a month. Uh, Fresh cuts is every week, and uh, creature uh, creature comforts is a monthly show. You know, just one a month. So that's pretty much where you can hear me. They'll look up no more room in hell, and you'll see me on every episode. <laughs> nice, Mike. I'm sorry, I should have had you go first, being our, our <laughs> new special guest. But um, anything you want to add there, buddy? Uh, yeah, like Venom mentioned, he covered 90% of the stuff I'm on. So all I'll add to that is I also do a sidecast with Gary Hill and Suzanne, which similarly to uh, the Friday the 13th show, this one is called Burning for Springwood, where we're covering episode by episode Freddy's Nightmares series. Uh, we are... That, that one kind of records sporadically. Uh, I know the next episode we record will be the last two episodes of season one. So we're making our way through that. And then I started a another new side cast that kind of doesn't have a set schedule. It's kind of whenever I can get with someone. It's, uh, it's under the No More Room in Hell banner called Watch This Movie Mike, which is basically me. Uh, by myself and I grab a different guest for each episode. I have the guest pick a movie for us to watch, open the show with like a quasi 10, 15 minute semi interview of the guest. Then we get into the movie, the guest picked and talk about it. So kind of like, you know, it's, we're still talking movies, but the format's a little bit of a departure of what I'm used to doing all these years. So Sure. Yeah, that's that's uh, all of the stuff that I do uh, can be found on Dark Discussions Network. And then I've also been uploading them to the No More Room in Hell YouTube channel just as a second place people can find them. So if, uh, if people are interested, that's where to find them. Nice. And I, and I know, um, Venom, you, I know for a fact, do a lot of guest spots and one that I'll pimp out. Because both you and I were on it, and by the time this publishes, all the episodes will be out. Is the summer uh, the podcast under the stairs summer series? So mm-hmm. Venom was on a couple uh, episodes. I was on a couple episodes. Make sure you guys check that out. Give some support to Duncan, who you'll be hearing very shortly. So I don't know if you guys can hear that right now, but <laughs> we all know what that means, and I'm afraid Mike also knows what that means. 
Venom has gone through this before, and believe it or not, he actually did survive it. But yes, Mike Maris, I have a question for you. <laughs> Are you prepared? Actually, I don't care. Are you ready to yes. run the gauntlet? You're right. <laughs> I don't think I have a choice, so let's do it. No, you don't, <laughs> let's do motherfucker. It. The gauntlet <laughs> is a series of questions. There's no time for thinking because there's no more room in hell. So you need to give us your very first gut reaction answer. Mike Merriman, are you ready for the gauntlet? Uh, first answer, yes. <laughs> sort of, maybe. Pizza or burgers? <laughs> Uh, pizza. Beer or liquor? Beer. Hockey, football, baseball, or basketball? Uh, that's a uh, baseball. Ass or titties? Uh, ass. And or sit when you wipe? <laughs> uh, what about in between? <laughs> they call that the hover. Yeah, yeah. he leans they, There we go, the hover. Homebody or out with friends? Uh, formerly out with friends, now a homebody. Fishing or hunting? Fishing. Cannibal Holocaust or a Serbian film? <laughs> Do I? It has to be either. Uh, I will say. Oh my god, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Serbian film. Rather uh. be blind or rather go deaf? Oh wow. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, probably deaf. Top half of Hulk Hogan and bottom half of Margot Robbie, or top half of Margot Robbie and bottom <laughs> half of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I would do a lot more things to the bottom half of Margot Robbie than the bottom half of Hogan. So I'm whichever combo is the bottom half of Margot bottom Robbie. Half of Margot I'm keeping Robbie, it. Yeah. Half of Hulk Hogan. I, I can close my eyes, right? <laughs> Penis size nipple <laughs> or nipple size penis? Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Come on, dude. I'll that say. Hard? It's not. Come penis on. size nipples for the, yeah. fun, the funny factor, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> the yeah. other one ain't funny. No, it's not <laughs> funny. You have a nipple. Rock yeah. or country? Goddamn. Uh,. Rock, although cats country, if it's at least 40 years old, I'll be good. Uh, cats, cats dog. doggy or missionary, um, like in order. Uh, no, I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, miss, missionary, Freddie, Jason, Michael, or Leatherface, Freddie, slasher, zombie, supernatural, or creature feature, Z- zombies. Ch- Fuck yes. Chucky or Leprechaun? Chucky. John Carpenter or Wes Craven? Uh, Carpenter's resume to me is Carpenter. Ari Aster or Jordan Peele? (laughs) Ari Aster. 90s or 2000s horror? I'll say 2000s. Hills Have Eyes, the original or the remake? I would still give the edge to the original, but I do. Yes! Blasphemy. Yes! Slow burns or to the point? Slow burns. First horror movie you ever saw? It was like a full horror movie, you mean? Like, yep. Uh, well, uh, as a kid. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a uh, child's play at the driving because it was playing with Batman. And nice. My dad, my dad took us. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Favorite I mean, I have, I had seen bits and pieces before that, but you know. Favorite okay. horror movie of all time. Uh, yeah. Without putting too much, on, I'm going to say Dawn seventy eight. Original Dawn Mike of the Berryman Day. Yeah. Is the gauntlet you have survived it. I want to again say thank you to Mr. Jerry Cortez, aka Venom, Mike Merriman. Make sure you guys go and check out their stuff. I hope you guys had a good time listening to this. We had a hell of a time recording it for you. And with that, I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. Boom. That was incredible. Is it good for you? <laughs> I've had better. Bye.